you getting yourself ready for our show? guys bobby roast beef here for jigs and bigs it's another fabulous tuesday we got a great show for you this week guys let's talk about a lot a lot has happened in the last seven days you know it, it would seem like not a lot is fishing has happened fishing wise for me but there's a lot of stuff to cover because this weekend was the boats and scrotes challenge the old glory outdoors slash hooks at hoodlums slash jigs and bigs invitational happened and it got it got crazy out there guys uh we're gonna cover the details there we'll review our weeks obviously find out how things went uh you know we've got a couple things for you to take a look at this week in our uh just the tip segment you know last week we talked about uh planning your outing ahead to get the most out of it. We're going to take another look at that, but from a different end. We're not going to be talking about maps or anything. We're going to be talking about tackle. We're going to get down to that tackle, all of it. We're going to cover that for you. And uh, we've got an amazing uh, FTG segment for you. Fuck that guy. This is one that we've been waiting on for quite some time. Um, trust me, you're not going to want to miss out on this one. Uh, those of you in the shears might uh, might appreciate it specifically. We've got some turning updates for you, obviously. And... Uh, there's some some stuff we got to talk about about uh, about chronic trips specifically. That's uh, kind of a big deal that folks need to know about. And uh, you know everybody likes anagrams. We got some stuff we're going to talk about with anagrams there. You all understand exactly what that is. Trust me, you guys don't want to miss it. We got uh, much more coming up after this. We'll be right back after after this quick break. How you guys doing? Hope everybody's ready for another amazing show. We've got a doozy. We're here. Uh, we got some jig heads in here live. Gravy fishing jumping in. Gravy, I love the hat, brother. Thank you, dude. Saw Gravy yesterday at the Old Glory Invitational, and uh, he did some competing as well. Did 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 okay for himself. We'll cross get into the details of all that. But also, I should mention, Gravy Gravy hooked a brother up. Gravy hooked a brother up with. Probably one of the nicest rods I've ever had my hands on before um, from Phoenix. Uh, it's a, it's a heavy. It, this is going to replace my frog and in, in uh, punching rig. Uh, that that this is exactly what it's going to do. I'm psyched. I'm hopefully going to get out tomorrow and use it. Hopefully, hopefully I get out nice and early before the sun comes up. That'd be awesome. But uh, Sean, how are you doing, buddy? I don't have the words to describe what has happened in the past 48 hours. And I pride myself on talking. I don't know what to say. So much happened. Some of it was fishing related. Most yeah. of it wasn't. There were things. But it was all amazing. It was all amazing. Like, amazing and ridiculous yeah. at once. Oh, it was so good. So good. I uh, I don't even know. I, I don't even know how to go. So, so. How should how should we handle this? I mean, do you want to go through your week leading up first, and we can talk about the tournament side, or or should I go and then we fill in the blanks with the tournament stuff? How, how do you think it we should have work? we have to build to what happened yesterday? I don't see any other way around it. I think you're right. <laughs> I, I I had a lame week, so let me let me start. Go me go start ahead. My, go ahead. Yeah, I'm not actually. I can't say lame because it was cool. It just wasn't a lot of fishing. Um, yeah, obviously. Uh, after last episode, we talked. You know, and things were pretty quiet for me. 
Yep. I did get out that one time with Nelson I talked about, but I did have a really nice outing. Um, let me think about it. It was either Tuesday or Wednesday night. Uh, Tim and Tim O'Keefe and Russ Hatch yep. from MAKB, the Western Division, they apparently meet every now and again on at night at a close pond in Springfield, and they invited me out. So I went out with them and their buddy Mike nice. and Tim's girlfriend, Cindy. And we had a great night. Uh, I turned up two nibblers. No one else turned up anything, and it sucked. But they're just getting out there, and they're learning, and they're learning to read yep. weed lines, and they're learning to read water and do this and do that. And it was a blast. I, I went out there not knowing anything and just saying, hey, look, you know, I wanted to get out there and fish with them. Here's how I do things, knowing absolutely nothing about this pond. And the last time I fished this pond, I was talking with them about it, was – I believe for me, eighth grade. So like 88, 89 was the mm -hmm. last time I fished this pond. And my mom dropped me and a buddy off, you know, in Springfield with fishing rods and a couple of shiners. Sure. And the only accessible area was on top, pretty much on the the, um, the trap rock building up the base of a live railroad line. Of course, because <laughs> so why things, not? Things were so different in the 80s. They you know? really were. They you really were. Because they called that daycare back then. Yeah. And they were, and my mom was like, I'll see you in four hours. We had like, it was like 95 <laughs> yeah. degrees out. We had a can of Coke each. And that's, we, we could have been dead a thousand different ways. It didn't matter. But things have changed, you know, especially in light. And I am not making light of this in any way, shape or sure. form. It's, it's a sheer contrast to what happened last week, you know? <laughs> yep. But, um. We're, we're getting back to normalcy in my house. And again, I started fishing again and getting out a little bit more. Yep. Um, again, we, we did, we did, it's a, it's a beat up lake that, you know, it's one of those places that is a feast or famine there. There's apparently some big fish in there. Um, it does get stocked with trout. It's got some depth to it. Occasionally I hear an Atlantic salmon gets thrown in there. Um, oh, a brood right. stock one. I, I have heard that through, throughout the years. And, um, Tim had even showed me a picture or turned it in for, I don't know if it was jigs or bigs or jigs and bigs or chronic trip tournament of a, uh, a beautiful pickerel he caught out of there. We went, we had a good time. That was my only adventure outside of yeah. what we're going to get to a little later on. Um, quiet week for me. Chronic trips started up. We'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. Chronic um, trips launched. I mean, that was, that was definitely something big for the, for this week. Um, things are already happening. They're kind of popping. Like this has been pretty good. Um, for me, I mean, geez, I got out, oh, I got out on the third and had no, no luck at all. Uh, not for very long on the third either. I think I was only out for about an hour, hour and a half. Uh, again, I went out on the fourth to a different body of water and had no luck at all. And these are all just little bank sends here and there. Uh, took a morning trip on Friday, um, fished a couple of spots. Uh, in, uh, tried my, my new Smalley factory or what I'm hoping is a, is a Smalley factory. Uh, and then I, I fished, uh, this is where I, I had that, that one blow up on a buzz bait that I told you about on Friday. Mm -hmm. Um, that was, that was pretty fun. That's, that's an area I have to fish a little bit more because there's this nice little slack water pond, uh, section of, of the river where you have some much faster current nearby. So I want to mess around with that. And then we get into Saturday and that was the only time this week that I caught any fish. Um, Actually, Thursday, I wanted to make it a point to get out. But for me, Thursday was all about bull balls. Like, literally, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was yeah, it all was. about balls on Thursday. Um, your boy, Bobby Rose Beef, got an education. Uh, he went to the farm. <laughs> and uh, if, if, you, if you follow us on our Instagram and you look over, there's a post from this last week uh, of, of a little video uh, that I had put together uh, getting these bull balls. And... and 
Well, I do have a couple of pictures of the preparation for the bowl balls because I wasn't sure the state I was going to get these in. Um, you know, I had to kind of watch a couple of tutorials, get an idea of how to prepare these. And I wasn't sure, you know, uh, how fresh out the, the sack these uh, were going to be. <laughs> You know, how if there was anything done to them there, because there's some some different layers before you get to the the, the part you want to fr fry up into the crispy goodness. Um, but it was uh, it was interesting. And uh, yeah. So, yeah, there's that video. If you guys want to check that out. Um, boats and scrotes happened this weekend. It, 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 it did. And it was a huge success. It was a it lot was, of fun. It was insanity. Mach 10. It was insanity Mach 10. That's what it was. It really was. It was it was like truly unbelievable. So I think because the real the real story kind of starts at the boat launch. Do you want to pick it up from there? Yeah, jump in because I know you had you had some fishing going on. Yep. And um, I'll just kind of pepper that in like later. I mean, I was out dicking around on the bank. That was basically it. Yeah, I uh, I got I got to the boat launch at 4 a.m. It was pitch black. There was one car there. People were doing some illicit activity. I don't know. I kept I kept small weapons nearby, and yep. I was fine. Uh, the first to arrive was OGO Joe. Of course, Joe got there first. We unloaded, got ready. I actually had my spare. He was pre-fishing three hours earlier. Yeah. Oh yeah. No doubt. No doubt. That'll we'll hear more about that later. Sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, I had. My native Slayer, and I had uh, Chris Dabari was using my native Ultimate FX, which does have, while it is a paddle kayak, it does have sonar capability, and I yep. was happy to lend that to Chris. <clears throat> and actually, the one time that he and I went out, what, a month or two ago, um, you know, he used that. So Chris was ready to rock. Yep. Um, people started pouring in, hoodlums, MAKB Western Division members, um, Joe's crew from Old Glory, and... You know, as we, you know, it was pretty, pretty simple. Derek from Three Bells got there and everybody got there on time and was ready for the captain's meeting, mm -hmm. except for the three folks driving the long dis longest distances, yeah. which were, which were uh, Scuba Steve. I, I believe Scuba Steve came out of the tri state area, correct? Somewhere. No, is I thought he was in Maryland too. I don't remember. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I'm not exactly sure. But yeah, he was about the same kind of drive, I think like six or seven hours. Yep. So he, Scuba Steve actually got there the latest. Um, right before him arrived Cody, shoeless, wearing overalls, <laughs> and his buddy Derek and Cody's dog, which is awesome. Cody's dog is the best. Yep. Cody and, De Cody and Derek are great too, but let's be realistic. I'm a dog person. And they all got there. So um, I did the captain's meeting. Nelson helped me out. We, we rocked through that, made sure everybody was on, on you know, the same page. Uh, you know, I, I, actually think i got cody out of his car to get to the captain's meeting said you're late unload later <laughs> there was there was no quarter asked none given and uh scuba steve when uh scuba steve was a few minutes late not too much uh dare i actually waited with Derek, so i'm not going to leave Derek sitting there by himself like hey i'm running a tournament piss off that's yeah. pretty rude especially to you know a sponsor so <laughs> so um we uh we waited for Scuba Steve. He pulled up. I literally ripped through those rules with him. Derek had paperwork out ready to sign for the for the kayak rental. Ripped through that, and Derek was like, "You're on your own. I'm fishing. I'm <laughs> I'm out of there too." Uh, I just I should mention this. Uh, we we didn't mention this before, and it's a good place to throw this in. Uh, Damien from Stretching Lines donated yeah. a five gallon bucket of plastic and jigs. Oh, 
yeah, for everybody to use and said, there will be a secondary prize for whoever gets the biggest fish with one of my lures. So that was pretty awesome. That's what that was all about. That is yeah. awesome. So what also got lost in the translation later on was anybody who won anything should also get some. But I heard about that late after you and I did our little MC gig, which we'll yep. get into. And that all those remaining prizes are actually have Damien okay donating them right into Chronic Trips. That's so freaking awesome. those will be available for uh, I think we're going to do the turn in the fish thing like we did last time. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that works out nice. Yeah, turn in a fish in Chronic Trips, you get a little goodie bag from uh, from stretching lines. Now, that being said, people are hitting the water. We had an early launch at 545, which means you can get to your spot. Don't cast until 6. We took off. Yep. And I I didn't pre-fish. I don't think Nelson pre-fished. And we, he and I both were on the same page and said we were going to try different parts of the Quaybog River leading out of Quaybog because that's where I've had success in the past in shallower water, not since the great rain of 2021. So I had a pretty futile day ahead of me. I caught, I caught plenty of fish, but I was in that gray area of I'm catching fish, but not the ones I need. Yeah. Do I want to leave fish to find fish? And with Quaybog, man, that place is big enough and just nondescript enough on the bottom that I did not feel confident leaving those fish. So I stayed with them and I went to my grave. We'll, uh, we'll talk about the finishing later. But yep. what we found out was while deeper into the river was not as productive – the mouth of the river was. So both Nelson and I went shooting past that and went to non-productive areas, but how, you know, we didn't pre-fish. How are we going to know? You didn't know. Yeah, exactly. We, we didn't pre-fish like OGO Joe who had a pontoon boat out there, slept there for four days, took leave from work. It was great. Didn't I heard there was news uh, that he shocked sections of the, of the water. <laughs> So he yeah, could take measurements and then and then release them and say like, oh, all right, this is where we got to go. Yeah, it was unbelievable. He, you know, he really did his homework there. I love it. I love it. Yes. <laughs> so it was. Uh, it ended up getting pretty hot out. The wind did come in a little bit later in the day, so the breeze was nice. But um, like I said, I even with what I was catching, I sat in second place all day, and then it just seemed like I don't know. 10 anglers or less just really got on fish and moved up. What did I finish? Ninth? So eight anglers got in front of me or seven seven more got in front of me. Yeah, but it was tough in- for everybody. I mean, the winning yeah. the, the the winning bag was, what, 50 inches on the nose? Yes, but it was it was three fish. Three so fish. So keep that in mind. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't a five fish thing. It was uh, We had first, second, third place for the um, three fish total combined length bag and then um, largemouth bass or well, black bass. If I doubt there's any smallmouth in there, but if someone were to hook into one, uh, black bass lunker. And what I have affectionately coined a couple of years ago and have reclaimed, you know, nobody knows, no one cares, but the toothy bastard pool, which yep. is a side pool for pickerel and pike together. And one pike was caught. So let me go through who won what yeah. real quick because it was hot. I didn't see a lot of people in that river. And uh, I sweated and caught a shit ton of nibblers and went to my grave that day with nibblers. So I finished ninth. I'll take a top. Yeah, I'll take a top 10 finish. It's fine. We ended up having 23 people fish. Uh, Was it 23? 24 people fish. Unfortunately, we had um, J. Manning did have to drop out. He had an unfortunate Mm -hmm. uh, passing in his his extended family and couldn't be there. He did show up afterwards to say hello to everyone, which was good of him. But, you know, obviously priorities are priorities. So uh, with the Lunkers. The Toothy Bastard Lunker was claimed by Ronell Mullen, who fishes with us in the Western Division. Yep. Ronell was the only guy to strike a pike, and it wasn't that much bigger than the pickerel that were caught. 
Um, it was a couple inches bigger, which is, but it's still in the same range. So it's not like you caught a 40 incher because then people might complain. It yeah. happens. But Ronell struck a, uh, a pike that was a quarter inch shy at 23. I think it was right at the end of the day, too. And he, I think he said he caught another one. And I don't know the end result of it. I don't know if he, if it was slightly smaller and he called it out or if it was slightly bigger and lost it somehow. It, these things happen. Yep. But either way, good for him. Congrats to him. That was a nice, uh, That's awesome, nice job with that pike. We'll do this. Next up for the Lunker, should not be a surprise due to the amount of time, you know, people suspect this man spent on the water prior to this tournament. OGO Joe himself with a beast, man. His first Massachusetts state pin largemouth, 21 and a half. Nice, nice job, Joe. Good job, man. All right. Now, give me a second. Stall. Stall for me, Bobby. Stall. I got you. I, need I got you, baby. So let me bring got- you up to speed as to what was happening on my end of things. I was having a day of my life. It was wonderful. Met up with my good buddy, Paul. We I picked him up nice and early. We headed out to a spot um, that very... It, actually, this was the spot where the first time I had ever dumped my kayak um, and, uh, and and took a, took a bath. Uh, it was not fun. We had gone over to this spot and uh, come back again. I figured... You know, let's just get out there nice and early, throw some buzz baits, maybe get on some big pickerel, because that's usually how it works out over there. So we head over, and what we stumble upon are water levels that are unbelievably low for this this body of water. We couldn't exactly figure out why, and it must have been pretty low for a while because I was able to walk right out on the, on the muck, right amongst the stumps that you normally see or that you normally don't see because they're submerged, but right over all that stuff. And uh, I got on a couple of of decent largemouth. I got a sixteen and a 13 and then uh paul got a pickerel over there we went to another body of water on uh yeah after a break we saw some pads along one bank fished frogs and, and punched uh all over there wasn't producing at all went to another body of water which made a list of mine uh called the i will never fish here again list um <laughs> And that's based on I give I give any one body of water two shots. One I'll go and give it a shot. If I get skunked, I'll give it another another shot. That second shot, if I donate too many baits, <laughs> I'm out. That's it. So yeah, went over to this one body of water fish there. Although I'm going to go fishing for trout there with uh, with Chris Dabari uh, this fall. I think I think that's the plan. So went over there. Um, no luck at all. A couple of bites, bunch of bait swimming around near us. Nothing we could get on though. Uh, Paul Paul caught one over there on uh, on a Senko, and uh, then we went to our last body of water, which I had fished with Wild Bill, Chris Dabari, and OGO Joe uh, in this past spring, and had some pretty good luck on and. Uh, I, I got on one good one over there. That was where I caught that 15. And that one, all three of these fish were caught on the same swim jig, the same bait, four different bodies of water. I threw hmm. other stuff, obviously, you know, that wasn't performing or where the, the setting wasn't right. But yeah, all three of those fish were caught on a swim jig. It was good. And had I been competing, it would have been a great day. <laughs> yeah, it would have been yeah. pretty good. Um, so go ahead. Does that cover? How's that? For yeah. Us thank, thank you for buying me You're that welcome. time. Cause I didn't have the, I didn't have the standings up. Cause uh, you know, we, I'm going to, I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit. So go we've ahead. actually, the past couple of weeks have been doing our interviews before recording yep. with, uh, you know, whoever our interviewees are. And, uh, we just got over an interview and I did not have the standings up. Cause why would I? Because they weren't in the tournament. Yeah. So my, 
my unpreparedness sucks, but you know we had shit going on. And we should mention this interview coming up in segment three is awesome. We've yeah, got John it was real and fun. Judy that Richardson. Was... Yeah, this is great. Hits on a couple of different levels, tournament levels, also like the jigs and big circle of like who knows who. It's really interesting stuff there. And then you know a lot of the the regular questions that we get into, we have a little bit of fun with, and this was a lot of fun. So you'll like it. Yep, I'm just gonna go through the top five. So go for it. Yeah, top five. 46 inches, we'll start there. Again, this was a day of everyone had a nibbler day. Yeah. It was very few people who turned up good fish. Uh, gravy, gravy fishing, Eric Graves. He popped. Nice job. Popped in at fifth with 46 inches. Great job, man. He was he was real psyched to get that, that top five finish. I mean, it was a quality field. So yeah. excellent. Congrats to him. Fourth place, 48. Now, this is, I, I got to keep this number in mind. Okay. So. Dan Johnson, who fishes with the Western Division for MAKB. Uh-huh. Dan's a great guy. 48 and three quarters, right? Nice. Now, on to the money, folks. OGO Joe himself, third place on the back of that beast 21 and a half, 49.25. So he beat, just edged out Dan by half an inch. Yeah. Okay. Now he would have gotten the tiebreaker because longest fish, but that's that's neither here nor there. Second place. Original hook set hoodlum, Andrew Tomer, 49.75. So nice. he beat Joe by half an inch. First place, Nick Ringard from Western Mass Kayak Bass. Or excuse me, Western Mass Kayak Bass. What the hell's wrong with me? <laughs> Mass Kayak Bassing, Western Division. What a, I'm going to tell the guy who runs it that I said that. Exactly. <laughs> He's going to get in trouble. He's out of his mind. <laughs> Nick Ringard. Knocked in 50 inches. He had two 18s and a 13. That's the way the day went. If you got two good fish. Yeah. If you got two good fish, you were going places, and Nick did. Um, congrats to him. He was excited about it. And, uh, man, what a great turnout. What a great tournament. We all got off the water, and the shit talking immediately started. I mean. Oh, so good. Chris Dabari floated on in, and between the time I saw him 20 yards away from the, the shore to the shoreline, all of a sudden he was Bobcat Goldweight yelling nonsense, which was phenomenal. You always want to hear that at a boat launch. And uh, it was crazy. We, we got packed up. Everyone got going. We moved over, moved the party over to OGO. Um, first off the bat, Nelson and I did all the verifications to make sure everyone's fish were set right, measurements were good yep. before we announced any winners. Then uh, you and I took the mic. You did your thing with the placements, and then yep. I jumped in and handed out some prizes, and we had a good time, and then the party started. Yep. So during this whole emceeing thing, I mean, there was just a tray of fried testicles just hanging out, just hanging out. Yep. Now, no pun intended. No, hanging out. Fucking testicles also, just hanging out. Also with them was the garnish. Oh, now, the garnish. Garnish was Did one I of pack your, the garnish? Did do you I, talk about that? Did you tell the people what the garnish I, was? I don't know that I did tell the people what the garnish was. Folks, what I did for the garnish was I bought uh, I bought a set of truck nuts. And and the truck nuts are not going on my, my motor vehicle. Um, they will be held for the uh, future um, Rocky Mountain Oyster buffets. Uh, that's what they'll be for. But yeah, so we had, yeah, the, the, the truck nuts were on the table. We had, it was nice. It was nice. Yeah, the truck nuts were there. And I remember when you bought them, you had said, well, what do I get? Steel or flesh? And I just absolutely disgusted. It's a flesh color. What you, yeah, steel. What you, no, you exactly. get Exactly. You want to be gross. So, uh, 
Like I want to, I want to pause right here. There's, there's two things that need to be, two tales that need to be told. Oh, okay. That were that set up this whole event. One of them is one of your trivia props that you apparently have had for some time. Okay, yes. Tell, tell the tale, Bobby Roastbeef. So, all right, because um, I knew that this was going to become a thing, and I had to. I said to Sean, I was like, "Let's talk about it," but I want to talk about how I acquired said item. Um, so. Controlling the narrative. I, there was there was <laughs> one day where I had mentioned to Sean, we need to find some way to do something f- interesting with this. And he goes, What do you what what are you talking about? I said, I happen to be in possession of a enormous uh latex dildo and <laughs> with with balls. With with balls and a suction cup for easy mounting, no pun intended. So uh, I should say the reason why I have said item is because I was actually going to use this item for a trivia challenge. Uh, Pre-COVID, I was going to get a, uh, a step counter and put it on a wristband, and you can do the math there. And it was basically going to be a time <laughs> challenge to beat like a, a high record that would be set from like the initial challenge taker or something like that. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I, you know, COVID happened. I wasn't working for a long time and, you know, I got lonely. No, uh, I decided I would instead, um, you know, I started to kind of rethink things as I'm, 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 you know, getting back into doing my events. Maybe this isn't the best challenge. I'll wait until the time is right. But the opportunity presented itself to utilize this prop as, uh, well, for, for this, this, this past weekend. I'll, I'll let you pick that up, Sean. Yeah, well, that's that's stage stage one, or that's part one of this uh, precursor tale. The other yep. precursor tale is obviously as as old glory has been flourishing. Uh, Joe and Meg have hired a hired a staff. They have people working they for them, have which a, is great. Like employees, yeah, they have employees. They're legit. <laughs> They've made it. <laughs> they, they get moved trade on up to options. The they get the whole deal. Yes. So one of their workers, I'm not going to give his last name, but Scott. Scott works there. Scott's a great kid. Scott's right? a good kid. Scott's learning all sorts of stuff because I called Scott regarding a tournament uh, entry and had some questions. And actually, I had to apologize him for to him for something because I messed up his name and didn't realize he, you know, he was actually one of Joe's employees. So my bad, Scott. I'll apologize on air. I screwed up, <laughs> but I called him to apologize. Who the hell is Joe Brown? Yep. Well, you know, that's what we all ask. And uh, I had called up Scott. I talked to him real quick and the conversation went in a funky direction. And I said something that if I was on, say, speakerphone, I probably wouldn't have said. And when I said it, (laughs) there was a no, what from the background? And I said, Scott, who was that? He said, that's my mom. And I said, Scott, am I on speakerphone? He said, yeah. I said, Scott, why didn't you tell me I was on speakerphone when this conversation started? I, I don't know. I said, okay, Scott, we, we were polite. And then I had to apologize to his mother for what I said. It was just uncouth. Of course. I apologized. Yes. Um, with this show, what was it that you said? I'm not going to say it on air. Oh, it's that bad? <laughs> No, it was just really rude, and I should have oh, said it. We're, I'm okay. going to leave it alone. I All just right. uh, we're going to let that die. So, um, no, it wasn't funny. <laughs> well, it was kind of funny, oh. but uh, the uh, yeah, the uh, it was a slang term. We'll leave it at that. Oh, okay. That I that had someone's you know had I known someone's mother was listening, I wouldn't have said it. 
But either way, that's neither here, there, here nor there. So that all happens. We're partying, having a good old time. There was medications involved. There was all sorts of stuff. Grandpa's sleepy medication, I heard, mm-hmm. was out. I don't know. Well, anyways, we're sitting around hanging out. And there were meetings at dumpsters. We'll just leave that alone. There were meetings. <laughs> 1993 was back. So, um, <laughs> so Scott took that moment to introduce me to his mom who had come there. And I was like, oh, this is, this is great. We're meeting people now. All right. Oh, okay. Yep. So I took the time to apologize to her to her face. said, look, I'm sorry I said that. I just, Scott didn't tell me I was on speakerphone, slip of the tongue, et cetera. And she took it with a, you know, great stride and oh, yeah. very nice. Yep. And then um, we're going to fast forward to this morning. And I had asked, I can't remember who it was. It was one of either Joe or one of his employees, what the name of Scott's father was, because I had worked with um, someone with the same last name on base. And I knew lived in that area. Yeah. But I didn't know it could have been Scott's uncle, could have been somebody else. And Scott sent me a message this morning, said, Hey, you worked with my dad. And I said, I thought so. But that when I asked Joe's other employee or Joe himself, where it was, they said, no, no, not him. It was. So I know Scott's father and now I met Scott's mother. We're all I think we're all going to be on the same page to tell people that they are on speakerphone if they're on speakerphone. (laughs) I think that's ultimately the takeaway, kids, is uh, always, always let someone know they're on speakerphone. Yeah. Yeah. You don't do that. So uh, that was one thing. (laughs) Now, as far as the the item that you had in your possession for some time and we're figuring out something to do with. So you had, you had decided to tap my sick and twisted mind. Well, I figured let's, let's, if we're going to do this, we have to bring it to the mind of a professional, like somebody who knows the prank level is like up there, you know, I, I'm glad I have that reputation. So (laughs) we, we, you and I had our hands full with running around and stuff and we had enlisted one each scuba Steve, because that man doesn't give a shit. He gives zero (laughs) shits. And we said, we really believe this item should accompany Cody and his buddy Derek and their, and Cody's dog back to Maryland. On the ride, yeah. Externally visible to the general public. So Steve took it upon himself to punch a couple holes in the base and grab some zip ties and attached it right to the end of the trailer. Not in any sort of hidden manner. That thing was flush out. There was this an, should have been... If, yeah, if yeah, this, you were behind... A trailer with Maryland plates and a, a canoe on top. <laughs> you saw exactly what we're talking about. You saw this appendage. Yep. So Steve went ahead and did the deal and took a picture of it and sent it to Bobby and I. And we just started laughing. And then we kind of forgot about it for the next hour or two hours, however long we were hanging out outside of Old Glory. And there were things that happened there. One of the things which you just had the privilege of listening to about an hour ago for the first time was I brought the portable recorder. Yep. Came in handy again. And our purpose of portable recorder, I'm not going to blow it, but we we recorded some of the people, obviously with their permission, um, some of the people that were there helping us out for the show. You might hear some of these little snippets coming down the road, but it was fun. But during the middle of it, this recording got completely hijacked by Cody, who was telling us a horrific story about someone he used to hang out with. And the horrible things this person did. And Bobby heard it for the first time today. I was telling him last night on the way home. I'm like, did you listen to that yet? No, he says. I said, you might want to listen to that. I need every initial thought in your head. Well, when Bobby, <laughs> when you sent me the link to jump on today, you were in the middle of listening to it. And you were like crying laughing. Yeah, I was dead. Just- we cannot we cannot in any way, shape or form play this eight minutes of audio. And it's 
present form. There's no there we, there's no censorship for podcasts. We would get censored on this. This is so bad. It was insane. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> it's amazing, insane, and ridiculous all at once. And we will not play this. It is that bad. But it was gold. It was so gold. I, I cannot believe this happened. I'm in amazement. You know what? I, I think this is going to go on for the jig heads. Dude. I think we're going to put it all up there. I don't. <laughs> I know Cody won't care. I know. I'm going to run it by him. Is, oh, and, boy. And, you know, and, you know, hey, man, you know, I mean, it'll be that exclusive. Like, if you want to hear it in its entirety, there are bits that we're going to play. Like, little, okay. little, little okay. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. There. Well, obviously, yeah. the it was one long recording that we did that yeah. I got what I needed from... The folks that wanted to do it, but if you want but, to hear Cody's story, that's that's a exclusive yeah, that's, jig head. Yeah, that we got it. Yeah, because I mean, uh, otherwise you and I are going to have to have a copy of this eight minute long MP3 on our phone, and we're going to be playing it for all these jig heads when we see them anyway. So yeah, I know. you know what I mean. Like we might as well do but it. There us and, having us having it and not the general public is a is a great dividing line because this is I thought it was out of control but oh, it was, it was great. it was it was bananas. It, it was, was definitely not bananas. humor for the times. No, <laughs> definitely. This slides back into the 80s. Yep, yep. <laughs> so So uh yeah, everyone except for Scuba Steve had a good time with the uh the food offering. Uh Scuba Steve said absolutely not. He and said stuck by it. But I was but you really know what? impressed. A lot of people enjoyed the testicles. Yeah, and I, I had one myself. Uh, yeah. You you and I, my first one. We, we did. We locked arms like newlyweds, like podcasting teams should, and we ate our testicles together. And there yeah. are pictures of that. Everyone enjoy. <laughs> the, the little video I put together, and there are so many pics that I, I knew everybody was gonna was gonna have. So I'm gonna try to get copies and do a more inclusive video with with you know more folks, even maybe even some of the fish entries. You know that yeah, might be it was, cool. To include it was awesome. Too, so. uh, I'll I mean, make sure I so send you cool. those too from from Fishing Chaos. Um. What else happened after that? Yeah, it was pretty much hanging around, shooting the shit. Yep. Uh, I think by the time most of the place had cleared out, it was us, a couple of hoodlums, Joe, Meg, Cody, Joe's crew. I mean, it was really under 10 yeah. people. Chris Tabari Chris stuck, stuck around for a while. But then <clears throat> magic happened. Magic happened. Cody's driver, buddy, Derek, pulled the car around back to Cody. And that phallic decoration was just right there just sitting out poking out for the world to see and for whatever reason I, I don't know i mean it was probably pretty smart derek did do a couple he he did two laps around the car walking checking the tires and everything and after the first one i remember you looking up at me going what the hell he, did he just miss that and i we were shocked and then the second lap he actually like kind of ducked so it wouldn't hit him but didn't say anything about this giant dong sticking off the back of a trailer <laughs> which was amazing. It was amazing. And then, then Cody walked right by it to get to to the passenger oh, seat. Oh, I didn't know if he was going to see it or not. I was like, you got to be kidding me. The jig is up. And that's when I opened my phone and took a video of them driving away, which the, the, the icing on this cake was as they pulled away slowly. That fucker jiggled and the whole way around the, the corner. It was and we like, were Chris's laughter and, and, and Ryan. <laughs> Oh my God, his his laughter was explosive. He's just like, dude. He's like, are you serious? You put that thing on his car? They, they didn't notice. Mm -mm. So the follow up to that was, well, when I left, I was so chock full of information of what had just happened to us oh, yeah. at this party. I remember calling you on the way. I'm going, what the fuck happened? Yeah, what just ha what just happened to us? <laughs> Especially with the dildo. So 
words I thought. That's where punctuation is key. No, the punctuation was great on that. It's just the meaning. If someone were to see that <laughs> <Exactly>. written, <laughs> just that bad. sentence It'd isolated, there's problems. <sighs> but um, we had we had found out in the morning that Cody. Uh, I actually found out an hour ago. Uh, Cody did message the the thread and let us know that he did go out to the trailer and the dildo did not make it to Maryland. So somewhere between Maryland and Massachusetts on the road, if you find our dildo, <laughs> you get, on, I, get on Instagram and let us know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> or keep it for yourself. Keep whatever it you got to do. Yeah. Hey, you know, give it as a gift. It's fine. It's Cody brand new. Say, yeah. It's brand new. A little dirt on it, yeah. A couple of holes, a couple of holes of, in it, maybe a little bit of road rash. Yep. <laughs> Cody did mention that uh, at a, a rest stop, I believe he said New Jersey, where they were getting gas, that there were a group of girls pointing and laughing at the trailer, and he did not know why. Well, we, we know, know exactly we know why. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine seeing that and pulling around by the side of the car and looking in and seeing Cody and Derek just serious as can be, like just. <laughs> Rolling down the highway, like, what up? Ripping ports. Ripping ports and getting loud. And then you're like, huh. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. So that was the end of our day. And I really struggled to mentally digest everything because it was, you know, well before sunup to a little past sundown. And that was a day. Yeah, it was a, it that was, was a day. It was a crazy. I got home. I was so tired. I was falling asleep, uh, uh, hanging out with my dogs, and I was like, all right, I just got to make it to 11 o'clock and bring you guys out. I set an alarm so that I could get up at 11 o'clock and bring the dogs out and then go to bed. I was just toast. Yeah. yeah. We were all gassed. And, yeah. uh, I, you know, again, thanks to Old Glory. Yeah. This thanks is to awesome. the hoodlums. You guys are awesome. We appreciate you. You know, that's, I, and I've, I've said this continually that – this group of folks in our extended family is absolutely amazing. So nice to be able to see everybody. And, you know, there was talk even this morning about what's the next gathering? What's the next thing going to look like here? How are we going to make this work? So we've got some ideas, some stuff that uh, that will will be thrown out there. And, and hopefully it can get interesting. There is uh, one thing I want to just throw to before I forget about it. Um, last week... We touched on a topic at length, I think, that that kind of it stirred some things up. We, we we devoted way too much time to that topic. <laughs> way too much. What we're talking about here, guys, is limp biscuit. Um <laughs> Way too much time. Uh, you know, we had there were there were there were polls and uh, you know uh, there there was feedback and surveys and I mean we we did everything that we could to get a good read of our audience to figure out who was fans of this terrible terrible Mac. Um, and we decided we came up with a theory that ultimately I think I think kind of sticks where. A lot of our, our listeners, like Sean and I are like the older dudes, you know, we're like the older guys, you know, we have a good like 10 years on most people that, you know, in, in, uh, of our, in our, I think the, the bulk of our demographic, like a good 10 years, um, which is cool. You know, it's all good. So I think for folks that are in that age bracket, like this might just be like novelty. Like they weren't just like fresh out of college, like, you know, crank and break stuff, you know, or like living with a roommate that was, and you're like, would you cut it out? You know what I mean? Like this was like, I think it's more like novel. Like, I don't want to say novelty, but more, 
um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Horseshit. <laughs> Horseshit. <laughs> More like, no, no, no. I, I guess I'm looking for um, nostalgic. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's just for them, maybe it's a little bit more. It is what it is. So we had that conversation. It's cool. But then something had dawned on us. I want to talk to you guys about anagrams for a second. I say this at least two or three times a week before I ask a trivia question regarding anagrams. An anagram is a word or a phrase where the letters within it can make up a completely different word or phrase. If you take the uh, uh, Fred Durst's last name, Durst. You get turds. And I alerted I, I alerted you to this yeah. fact the other Thank day you. when I was re-listening to the show and you had you had said prophetically that Limp Biscuit has a couple turds that they could shine up. Yeah. And, you know, and it didn't even dawn on me. And I said, Durst equals turds. That's where we went. That's all I got. We didn't even notice it. <laughs> It's crazy. So take that for what it is. I feel like we've already given too much time to that segment. Way, way, way too much. I do have uh, one thing, uh, you know, I want to mention um, to to just be a complete palate cleanser. This is a horrible lead in. I hope, I hope, hope this doesn't affect her business. (laughs) But before we start talking about other stuff, we, uh, we did pick up, I mentioned in Minnesota, a nice print um, that was done on a canvas. So it's 3D. It's stretched like a canvas. Nice. From Kari Townsend. And I took it to my local my local framer down the road, uh, J.H. Miller over there in West Springfield. You're looking stuff to get framed. Go to, go to Jim. He's a great guy. And he now is aware that this show exists and that I have framing stuff and framing needs. And we got it nice and framed. And it's, uh, it's hung up in a nice high traffic place in our house. Great work, Kari. Thank you very much. Nice work, Jim, for framing it. That's awesome. I did man. post it up on Instagram earlier today. So if anyone wants to see what I'm talking about, jump on there at the old Sean the Fisherman account. Have fun with that. Um, but if you're looking for outdoorsy stuff, fishing stuff in particular, but a lot of outdoors stuff for painting, extremely vibrant, you know, I don't know, what would you call them? They're not high visibility, but like vibrant colored, really, I don't know. I would say they, they have an upbeat feeling. Kari's Car- yeah. work is really, you know, it's good shit. It lifts you up. You like it? <laughs> yeah. I, w- I would highly well, recommend vibrant. it. If, if nothing else, you guys should definitely go and check out Kari's Instagram. Yeah. Take a look because she posts a ton of her of her work there, and uh, you get a real kind of feel for it. Sean and I have had conversations about, like, this podcast and wanting to take it in a bigger sort of arenas, and ideally the goal is someday to have a studio space that we can utilize and do more with video and more with, you know, uh, there being a visual aspect to this, but... Uh, uh, for the sake of the internet, this this will do for the the most for mo- most cases anyway. So part of the goal there is to like fill this place with like artwork like Kari's artwork. Exact. So that's that's where some of these pieces are going to come in, and you know, it's like support your artists too. Like artists, it's tough, man, to be creative. Yep. And you know, uh, you know on that same note, did I tell you what I have waiting for this? Mythical studio in the sky that oh, we yeah. have coming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So could, should I tell everybody else? No. Let's right. let that no. be a surprise. Secret? Okay. Yeah, let's let that be a surprise because that'll be amazing. Right. Yeah. I had some foresight with some shit. That's all I'm going to say. I like that. Yep. 
Oh, good stuff. We should uh, definitely make a, a quick mention, though, guys. A couple of things that uh, have been happening for Jigs and Bigs. Um, obviously, the fishing report every Thursday has been awesome. Some really good feedback. I had some some listeners actually DM me and say that uh, they discovered the fishing report, and it's actually they've gotten some tips from it that have actually panned out, and they've picked up some new areas to fish because of it. So it's nice to hear that it's 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 getting you know some. It's reaching people, and it's informing them, so that's pretty cool. Uh, the other thing, of course, obviously, is that we've got merch available, jigsandbigs.com. Uh, we are releasing some new items, but a lot of folks have been asking about stickers. They are available for sale at jigsandbigs.com, or right now, we have until summer ends, but the introductory pricing is still there for our merch. So if you buy you know, a T-shirt and a hat, you can hit that $25 you know, limit, and you'll get a free sticker with it. So keep that in mind, something, something for you guys. A lot of you guys are asking us about shirts and about hats and stuff and yes the red and white uh skeleton fish skeleton shirt is still available it's not going anywhere so definitely you guys can can go ahead and check that out one thing i do want to mention is jigs and bigs has a playlist on spotify and not a collection of these podcasts either we put together a collaborative uh playlist of songs most of these the vast majority have to do some relation they've been uh mentioned or used in an episode at some point or referenced um there might just be even a lyrical thing some of the artists that have actually done our intro and outro music and things like that we put some of those artists on there uh, and then some theme stuff so like for instance like i've added a bunch of songs that have the word balls in the title um you know, just because it worked for the event that we we're doing there, but it is collaborative. So if you guys want to add some songs or something, cool, go for it, have at it, or just it's like five hours long. You guys can throw that sucker on, and you know, if you're out fishing, you're looking for something to listen to or whatever, give that a spin. If you're and that is, of course, if you're already caught up on your jigs and bigs episodes, but we've been sharing that link on our uh, Instagram periodically. So if you want to go ahead and check that out, you can. I think I'll probably add it to the website too just to make it nice and easy so that uh, every time we do a new volume, maybe I'll post that link and people can get right to it. Do we want the folks to keep, you know, try to keep it show related in mind with their stuff? Or are we going to go wild west here and whatever the hell anybody wants? Well, I mean, I know that we can ask that people keep it kind of show related. Um, but I also know that that's probably not likely. So like the, the collaborative windows might kind of go open and close at random times, but we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it works. You know, we'll see what happens. I could wake up tomorrow. There could be 15 hours of music. That's like totally unrelated, you know? So we'll go ahead and we'll just, we'll, we'll tweak it as is. And then, you know, you, you, you live and learn, <laughs> live and learn, baby. Cool. Oh, good stuff, guys. This was a great segment. Segment one. We're, we're off to a really good start. We got good stuff coming up. After our uh, break, we have our Just the Tip segment. Again, we're talking about planning before your outing, but this focus is on the tackle. What are you planning on throwing and and why? You know, what are the things that are, are setting you up? And sometimes it's 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 got to do more with, with confidence, past performance, uh, other factors that maybe you're not necessarily considering. So we're going to go ahead and do that. That's in our Just the Tip segment. We do have a uh, Fuck That Guy segment for you this week we've been talking about this one specific uh submission for a while and uh you're gonna get it you're gonna get it from berkshire brett and it's a doozy too and then uh well, of course we've got uh john and judy uh richardson uh, richardson that's right john and judy <laughs> richardson that's in segment three i almost said robinson 
It's been two mind polluting days, two dude. Very, just- I'm yeah, I'm still a mess, man. I'm still a mess. Great interview <laughs> with the two of them. And like I, I pointed out early on in that interview, this is two for two where we've had married couples on. And uh I don't know, it's it's kind of nice. It's it's sort of nice to see the the chemistry between the two of them. And some of the way, some of the, not only the way that they answer the questions, but also the answers that they give, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. And how, yeah, how they give the answers, how, how one spouse sometimes allows a certain answer or, you know, that was pretty prompts that or was pretty forces. <laughs> no, you got it. Was awesome. That was really good. I like yeah. that. Anyway, guys, we'll be right back. We got uh, one quick break uh, from our good friends over at Old Glory Outdoors. We'll see you guys in just a bit. Jigs and Bigs is proud to announce we're being supported by Old Glory Outdoors. They're a veteran-owned company that carries fishing and hunting gear. Plus, they're highly active in supporting veteran organizations and charities. Old Glory is an authorized dealer of favorite rods, FX rods, Guggenbaits, X-Zone Lures, Sixth Sense, and many more. There's a brick-and-mortar store located in East Brookfield, Massachusetts, but you can also order online at oldgloryoutdoors.com. They ship anywhere in the lower 48 states or order Order online and pick up at the store. When you order, use the promo code Jigs and Bigs, and you'll save 10% off your complete order. Plus, you'll help support the show. Make sure to check out the apparel line called OGO Gear while you're there. Old Glory Outdoors believes in the slogan "Start 'em Young" to keep kids away from screens and enjoying nature. They've got a full array of live bait too. Check out OldGloryOutdoors.com and use the promo code Jigs and Bigs. Save some money and gear up now. Bobby and Sean now have a special presentation for us all. They'd like to give everyone just the tip. That's it. That's all they need. You'd think I would get better at uh, and not reacting like a child every time I hear that and giggling like, I giggled all the way through it. We ate bull balls yesterday. What are we it's supposed true. to do? It's true. Yeah. Speaking of which, before we start just a tip, on that bull ball recipe you had yep. so i i did i'd never eaten them before mm-hmm. and you know what i felt that they were the consistency of just consistency obviously yeah. not the taste but slightly overcooked scallops am i right on that yeah okay yeah. that's that's not unusual to hear right i'm not somebody had, I, had said they they were like oh it's kind of like a uh a, a chewy chicken nugget and i'm like i think the scallop comparison is actually more spot on but but overcooked scallop yeah, not like yeah. Uh, like so, like yeah you know, like a cooked properly scallop, you just go right through, and it's not like your teeth bounce back. This was definitely a little. This has a little bit more chew, yeah. Yeah. For okay. Sure. Anyways, just a tip. I guess we're gonna do a series now because we got this is kind of fertile. We'll do this again next week with this uh, planning thing. Yeah, I, I, I like this. I think this is really good. So, in keeping with the theme of planning, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can go out and fish, and and I'm gonna actually go ahead and say say this. We had a listener. Uh, contact me on Instagram, and uh, they're asking about my my bag, uh, the sling bag that I use from Samurai Tactical, and I, I love that bag; it's great. Um, and we got into this conversation about it, and he was like, you know, I'm looking for something that's, you know, it's not gonna like weigh me down, or or you know, it's not gonna hurt my shoulders after you know wearing it for like eight hours. You know, and, and he said that he was using a, a just a, a simple like store brand um, backpack. You know, a school backpack, and it was doing the job. But 
with that, I'm assuming, of course, that he's loading the thing up. I was like, well, this doesn't give me, I'm like, it's got a great strap, a great sling strap. You got to move it around a little bit, take it off periodically. Like if you're doing eight straight hours or something, I'd like to take it off every so often. But I go, the one thing about it is, is it really forces you to downsize what it is that you're taking with you for gear. And, and it got me thinking that right there about like when I was first in getting interested in fishing from a kayak and, you know, I mean, at the, most of the, most of the, like the, the, the big game for me was always like a big boat with a big boat. You think mega storage, like crazy rod combos, access to everything with a kayak. It's a little bit different. You have to think a little bit further in advance. You know, um, what are you going to bring for combos? If you're limited to a certain amount, how are you going to deal with it? If you have to scale down things like that. So it kind of made me kind of realize that. And I, I saw some parallels with kayak fishing and bank angling in exactly that, because when I go out, I have a Plano, uh, a Plano backpack that I can put all my tackle. And I, I said to this listener, I said, that backpack I use for when I have absolutely no idea. And I basically know I'm going to be junk fishing, whatever I've got that can throw the thing. I want to have all the baits with all the colors, everything else. I'll put that box together and it's got everything, but I'm going to pay for it because of the accessibility, you know, the limitations that it gives me to get around. So I said, the, the one thing that I've, I've been trying to do the second half of last year, and then the majority of oh, this entire year so far is scaling down. And I've been using a day box to do that, one thirty-seven hundred size box. And then I have a little binder that I keep my plastics together in. And that's what we want to talk about here is the tip. How do you prepare for a day out when it comes to your tackle? Because um, there's some things that, Sean, I think that you just can't know until you're there, like watercolor. Dude, you and I approach it. We talked about this before. And we and do you it and differently. I approach this completely differently. Yeah. Um, why don't you – Continue on with what you're talking about. I mean, you're right. There are certain situations that um, you can't you can't account for. Yeah, you know what I mean. And you, but I think the bottom line is when you go out fishing, um, you you're like well, you, honestly, I think it's a lot to do with time because you do a lot more like one and two hour jaunts yeah. than I do, and I'm always out like I mean, my minimums are like four or five hours to you know start, and then I'll go into eight. And, and it's just, we fish so differently that we prepare differently in this matter. Now, when, you know, when we're talking about tackle, we're talking about tackle boxes. So terminal tackle, lures, hooks, weights, not talking about line, rod, reels. That's a yeah. kind of a different ball That's game. That's a little bit of but a different for, we can talk. That'll be next week. We can talk about that. Definitely. But, because um, I, think, I think that there is definitely a conversation to be had in there because I will, based on a body of water, I will d change up what I'm bringing for rods. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, again, it's a, again, it's the same thing. Like, yeah. I just said, you and I, are, and it's it's fine because we both we're both successful. We do yep. what we got to do. It's just it's kind of different that we prepare completely differently. So, so different. you will go in and prepare and be like, I'm going to this pond. I'm going to grab X, Y, and Z. Or if I'm going to some unknown pond, you prepare differently and you're packing a bag every time you go. Yep. Whereas because of the way I've done things over the past whatever, 12 years with that database, I've narrowed down what I use and I bring only this and every, I bring everything. Yeah. But I'm but efficient with what I have. Yeah. Only and with I, what you're bringing everything, but it's everything that's been proven. Yeah. That I, that I know yeah. that I can use. And then if I go to an unknown water, I'm comparing it mentally because yep. I don't bring my database on the water with me. I'm comparing it mentally with other waters that are similar. And that gives me a starting point. And 
I have success that way. But it, again, we're fishing totally different ways. Yeah. Like I'm going out on the water again for four to hell, 12 hours. And most of your fishing is, you know, a couple hours. one or two hour jaunts, whether yeah. it's in the shore or in the kayak or whatever. So it's different, but it works for both of us. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. So um, that's one of those things where what are you comfortable with? But, you know, go out and you've got to, you've got to put in that experience. You got to put in the time, get the experience and then say, okay, like the more time you're out, I know I'm at a dirty body of water with current. I, I know these five or six lures have proven good over the past two years, three years. You can do all these different things. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, like I said, when I, when I have my tackle, it's five. Um, I use a flambo tuft hainers because mm -hmm. of one, you know, I have no problem with the waterproof planos. Um, I like the flambo tuft hainers just based on the dividers. There's one section I, I can put spinner baits in because I don't mm -hmm. use a ton of spinner baits and they fit. It's a square section. That's literally the only difference. Yeah. So I'm not knocking plano um, at all on this. If you like those plano waterproof ones, get them. If you want to put spinner baits in into your tackle boxes like I do, buy the flambeau ones because they, they won't fit in the planos. That's it. Well, actually, there's there's some of the newer plano ones have that same like. Divider. Oh, the water. Yeah, they do I don't know about the ones? waterproof ones necessarily, See, but I've seen some that do. I have to make the assumption that they're that they they do have that available in the waterproof as well, because it is it's uh, it's crazy. Like even if you're talking about just big baits, you know, like I can put a rat in that square space, whereas everything else, you know, if I use up one of those other horizontal lines, you know, it's just. But like my day box is one of those thirty seven hundred boxes. The, like yep. what you're talking about. And same thing. I have uh, two square sides that open up with one divider in the middle. And then I've got the rest of it is all broken down to sections. I have a little center area for terminal tackle, uh, which I'm always adding and taking terminal tackle out. Um, it seems like I'm adding, I'm usually adding more. So if I've fished and lost a couple of, you know, uh, neds, I'll replace those with a couple other, you know, weedless neds or something, or I'll throw, you know, if I need, if I'm running a little short on drop shot, uh, weights, I'll throw those in. And I, I keep, you know, stuff down here in, in the disco dungeon really. And, and what I'll do is, but in my day box, there's some stuff that's like always constant. You know what I mean? Um, the things that I often will change are the, the, the moving baits, like the hard baits, uh, and, and top water baits, those all change out depending on like where I am. Like in the summer, I've got way more top water in there than I do anything else. But usually, what I'll do is I'll just keep one top water presentation or two, like a like a floating jerk bait, and yep. you know uh, a spook, you know something yeah. like that. I'll keep like a couple of options there. And and my take has been uh, at least in in the last year, I've been making an active move to keep my colors as limited as possible. So I'm kind of going, taking a step back. Initially, I was just like, well, you got green pumpkin and you got black and blue. Kind of the same idea. I add a couple of other colors in there for certain things um, that I have in there. But basically, all my hard baits, I'm going all natural. And the only change I'm making is if it's black or white. That's the only thing that I'm, I'm doing. I'm trying to keep it natural because of that, that thought of, well, if the water conditions are shit... That means the natural forage those fish are eating, that's how they're seeing that natural forage. So it's at least going to show up like that. You know, so I try to think about it in that sense. So I'll make sure that I've got, you know, uh, a couple of chatterbaits, you know, uh, in in a couple of different weights, a half ounce or a quarter or even a three-eighths. I'll have, you know, a handful of jigs in different colors. I'll have a natural color spinnerbait, and then I'll have a white. 
Yep. You know, all yeah, the goes in there. I um yesterday, so I actually did. I, I started talking to you about this yesterday. We both got pulled in different directions. Yeah, I did something. I did more along your lines yesterday, and then the change I made actually caught all my fish yesterday. All of them. Oh, really? Yeah. So I know I mentioned on the show that I've I've used Zoom brush hogs in the past, mm -hmm. and for whatever reason, I just lost the success with them. Well past couple of weeks i've been having a rough time i've been catching a lot of nibblers yep and i've been using wider like flapper style creature baits and i decided just on a whim i said you know what i'm gonna bring i'm gonna bring a color or bag of each color that i have of zoom baby brush hogs and i'm gonna screw around with those and the profile change i felt was enough that, that they got the bites they started getting so i I caught every fish on my on Zoom baby brush hogs yesterday because I, the again the flapper ones the beaver style baits are broader yep. you know yeah shaped shaped more like an arrowhead and these are just skinny little baits with some appendages on them and they worked yesterday so they'll be hanging around in my bag for a little bit for the most part like I said I have this database I looked at what is working for me yep and I was able to narrow my entire tackle selection down so that is always in my boat. Like I never, the only time yeah. I go down in my basement to replenish stuff is a very rare occasions where like yesterday I got a hair up my ass and decided, well, I I'm should gonna, probably I'm try something lower something profile. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Or B, all those, all the tackle I have has numerous duplicate bags down in the basement where yeah. I'll keep a bag with me in the boat. Um, if it's a bag of plastics, I actually use, um, what are they? Whatever Walmart, what's Walmart's brand? Great value. Their house brand It's great value. <laughs> I go, I get, well, no, I, I get great value, the freezer bags with a zipper on them. Oh, I thought you meant great yeah. value soft plastics. I'm like, I, I, is no. that even a thing? No, that their, their house brand for soft plastics is what? Ozark. Ozark. Ozark, yeah. Ozark, Ozark Trail. Ozark Trail, I think, yeah. Ozark, Ozark shit. Whatever. I'm sorry. I didn't say that. The, um, <laughs> I know I'm shitting at Walmart. But uh, I actually have a couple of those. Uh, I, I found a couple of those. Uh, what was that a lipless? I think they had in a certain color, and I was like, hmm, "I'll give that a try." A hasn't hasn't caught me shit, no. but anyway. So I'll go. I'll go to Walmart, get the great value plastic bags with the, the either the I think the freezer ones are thicker than the storage ones. Yep. So I'll grab those with the zippers on them, and instead of buying a bag of Berkeley or Zoom plastics or whatever, those are trail. Thank you, Berkshire Brett. The uh, I'll take like two or three bags and dump them into one of those, and it's a quart bag or a gallon bag, and then I put them inside of uh, now what's. What's uh, Home Depot's home? Uh, HDX? Um, home brand. No, it's uh, a Husky or is Husky H by Husky's itself? Husky's one of them. Husky and Ryobi. Yeah, I have I have Husky uh, tool bags and I put whatever kind of plastic is in there. So I have plastics mm -hmm. labeled. You know, one of them's like whatever, Ned Plastics, another one's stick worms, et cetera, et cetera. And I just keep them all together and put them under my seat. With that Slayer, there's a little, not a tray, but a, a storage area under the seat. Mm -hmm. And that's where all my plastics go. But they're always the same. There's, it's just a limited number of colors, yeah, limited number of shapes and styles, and you know, it's very rare. Like, like I told you, um, this this year, I I went through my topwater box. I have success with some frogs. I have success with Zara spooks. I have success with well, actually, it was two different style of frogs. You know what? The whopper ploppers and the rat went away. They they I'm not I'm I'm not good with them. Yeah, I've tried for years, and every situation that I can think of where I would use a whopper plopper, I'm either throwing a, a frog or a you know a sprinker frog. I've mentioned that before; those guys are great. Yep. But you know, you make it's a good what point it is with the sprinker frog. I, it's it's a weedless whopper plopper, in my opinion. Yeah. But that's but, neither here nor there. But you make you make a really good point. So when it comes to planning for tackle, like 
I, I fish a lot of different bodies of water. I fish a lot of clear water. I find a lot of a lot of the the spots that I go and fish are, are relatively decent visibility. The water colors might might vary, you know, from time to time. Um, but there's a lot of clear water. But like the like Sean's mentioning, like the spr- sprinker frog, or there's uh, I forget the the name of the the booyah one um, that I've got that I, I started throwing. I'll pack stuff like that. That's versatile. That's what I'm looking for in a bait. Like that is. I can throw that and keep it up on top of the water. I can fish it slower than a typical buzz toad because it won't sink, um, but it doesn't have treble hooks. So it's not going to get hung up in, you know, lily pads and, and, and muck up on, uh, up on the surface. So that is, is something that I'll keep in all the time. I keep a, a frog often and I keep a popping frog especially because if I want to fish open water and I want to use a popper but let's say there's you know grass below and I'm getting hung up in that I can throw that uh if I know I'm going to a body of water though where I'm going to throw a bunch of top water and it's you know I have the depth to play with I don't have vegetation coming up and, and that's that's a nuisance yeah I'll throw a floating jerk bait I'll throw I'll throw a popper I'll throw you know a buzz bait I've lately I've been loving a buzz bait uh you know, so it's like, it's just, so that, I mean, that covers top water, but also, you know, I'll look in and I'll, I'll, I'll use this. I, I like to lean toward a lipless crankbait versus almost anything with a bill. And it's because of the versatility and the space it takes up uh, on in, in the box that, you know, I mean, square bills certainly have their place. I carry a couple of those. But like I said, it's a couple of them. You know, they 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 do a job. You know, three to five foot, uh, and they're in colors that are generally natural colors for where I am. Because then, depending on wherever the the water is, and they're not silent either. That's when it comes to those baits. Like, I'll, I'll swim. A, I'll, I'll fish a, a swim jig or something. So I I lose the bulk that way. If I'm going to go with a well, a silent well, approach, go on. I. The only square bills I carry are silent. Are silent. Well, and and that's yeah. the thing. But from angler to angler, that's that's fine. But yeah. that's what it is. It's like like that's how I get away with using a single box, um, something something like that. So it helps me kind of go and and do my thing. So like the tray you're talking about in the in the seat of the Titan, or the seat of the of the of the native, um, the Titan has the same thing. So and and what I've found to do is to use a bait binder. I'll go and actually take the only. The only baits I, I keep separate are my Z-Man plastics. Um, just because I don't know if how they interact with the bait of the of the the pockets, like the envelopes, the plastic in there. Uh, last thing I want to do is put a bunch of those baits and they all dissolve together inside the envelope and I got to throw that envelope out. And it's a waste of plastic. <clears throat> so anyway, where was I? I uh, was talking about the bait binder. And it, what I do in the bait binder is I have a, a certain pages that are set up. So stick baits. And this is all lengths. So threes, fours, fives, sixes, whatever I've got, I'll take a handful of each color and put them in there. So this this envelope is super fat. It's huge. But I can rifle through here and I've got, you know, my, my flat black. I've got black and blue. I've got green pumpkin. I've got uh, my, of course, I've got like my wild worms and both my dream worms. Uh you know, all that stuff. I keep another bag for like other straight tail worms or even even I'll put the uh, ribbon tails in there as well. One one bag is set aside for paddle tails. Anything mm-hmm. from three to f- three to five inches. It goes in there. Uh, all my paddle tails will go in there. So that way I know what I'm what I'm using. I'm going to use a, you know, a swim jig or an underspin. I'm like, OK, cool. I'll grab a paddle tail out of there. Awesome. Then I've got creatures and I've got craws and those I separate. 
because I like to use some for, you know, some stuff, you know, buzz toads and the stuff that's a little, a little bit more like specialty. I keep those in their envelopes on another pocket because I always have an, like a, an, another pocket on my bag that's always getting cycled through. Um, and same thing with flukes. I just haven't put flukes yet in my bait binder, but there's I'm adding an envelope to each one because I've been using flukes that much this year. Cool. So they're going to have their little home. <clears throat> so, I mean, I, for, go on. I was just going to say, I guess the, the bottom line is like you and I are, even though we're, we're prepping, we're prepping to go out in two different ways. Like I'm yep. looking, I don't know what, like you're more focused and I'm more big picture, but both methods work. But I think the, bo- the bottom line for anybody, dis- whatever method you decide to use when you're, when you're packing your bags to go or packing your bags at the beginning of the season to use for the year is you've got to have either experience or homework done on a place and know what works in either numerous waters or what works in the particular water you're going to. There's again, there's absolutely, you know, nothing wrong with packing to go for, for an hour or packing, yeah. you know, you're packing your kayak for the season and then replenishing it as you need. I think the, the, the main focus is to just like when you're going out for whatever that amount of time is, consider the body of the water and the conditions. And if you don't know, plan for the unexpected. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. You got to, I mean, bottom line, I think you and I are just going to hammer this home no matter what subject we talk about. It happened last week with yep. the beginning of this saga. You got to do your homework. If you want to be successful fishing, yeah. you got to do your homework. Whether it's, again, packing your tackle bag, checking a lake you haven't fished, do your homework. There's, we have resources now available to us that the forefathers of this sport did not have. Yeah, I always say, Bobby, you've heard you've heard me say it a million times, man. The internet is the greatest learning tool in the history of mankind. Yeah, like let's get petty and use it for fishing. What the fuck? Oh, oh, I got absolutely. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) So that about about I think kind of sums it up. But it's like just kind of consider your body of water. You know, look at what you're doing, and then and then it really, if you can trim the fat and carry a little bit less, then it puts you in a situation where you're like, okay, I know I've thought about this. You know, I'm not going out like, eh, what do I want to throw today? That's the thing. What do I feel like throwing right now? Like every bait that I throw, I'm considering the reason why I'm throwing it, you know? And it might be a little outside the box thinking. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know? It's like, that. that's okay. If you're like, oh, yeah, I think that, you know, using this this bait in this particular way is... is, is and one of the reasons, like, why I've been using a swim jig is for the versatility. Yep. You know? Exactly, man. Yeah. Well, that was our just the tip, and I would like to add a very, very quick bonus just the tip. Oh, just oh. for our just for our crowd. I didn't run this by you, but I think you're going to be fine with it. Okay, hit me. When you're going fishing, or hell, when you're going anywhere, check your car for dildos. Yes. <laughs> Do a once around, maybe with a flashlight. If something is sticking off the back end of your car or vehicle and you have to duck to avoid it, verify that it is, in fact, not a dildo zip tied to it, your car. That's all I got to say. And, and I'll tell you, I, um, Scuba Steve, like amazing engineering worth the zip ties. Like he knew exactly what was up. Like, man. The, I, man's, the, the man's dildoed a car before. <laughs> I can't believe that it didn't make it all the way down to Maryland. I bet you the zip ties are still on there. I bet you that I'll thing you ripped right are. through the base. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It wiggled it, it wiggled was, right off. We saw that fucker bouncing for <laughs> it was shimmying like crazy. Under five miles an hour. 
That man, that man goes on a rotary and it's doing the helicopter. It's just, oh yeah, you know, done deal. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, uh, you know what time it is, right? I love this time. It's that time. guys here we go it's our fuck that guy segment now we had been busting poor berkshire brett's balls about this and getting this in and he delivered huge he went over to jigsandbigs.com and uh he left us a voice message so that we could play it on the show for all of you guys and uh he could share his story so we're going to kick it over to berkshire brett here we go hey jig heads berkshire brett here with your fuck that guy segment of the week so not too long ago, some friends and I were uh, doing a little bank fishing, and uh, we see two guys paddling back towards the, the boat launch, so to speak, uh, in a couple of kayaks, and one of them has a full-grown black lab on his kayak with him. They see we're fishing. Guy was about to let his dog off the boat, do a little swim, and says, oh, I'll, uh, I'll move away from these guys, and goes a whole, I don't know, 30 feet from where our lines are in the water and lets his dog belly flop off the kayak into the water, swim around a little bit, and then they decide to paddle back to shore. So uh, needless to say, the bite slowed down just a little bit after that. So, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck that guy indeed. You know, it, it blows my, you know, as in, and you had mentioned earlier that you're a dog guy. I'm a dog guy as well. You know, I love, uh, I love dogs. Dogs are awesome. There are some dog owners out there that are just so clueless though. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, sometimes it's as clueless uh, as like where you just bring your dogs in general. Other times it's clueless as to like, you know, just even keeping an eye on them and just letting them free range. Like, you know, I mean, some dogs... Dog owners are just so clueless sometimes, so fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. I know that sucks. When Brett told us that, I mean, if you don't want people fishing, too bad. It's America. Yeah, exactly. Why would you why would you ruin it with it's not the dog's fault. Dog just wants to go in the water. Yeah. Especially he said it was a lab, right? Yep. They live for that shit. <laughs> yes, they mine doesn't, believe it or not. Mine hates the water. Really? He jumped off the boat one time. And tried to get back in. I'm like, dude, you are soaked. Absolutely not. And he swam to shore. He hasn't been back in. I live on a lake. You'd figure a lab would live in the lake. Yeah, and he'd he, be like, this is what I'm doing. Dude, he is uh, He is not about it. He'll come out on the ice with us, but he won't He won't go in the water anymore. Really? No kidding. Yeah. That's uh, that's our lab. Huh. So, I don't know. Fuck that guy. Don't, uh, you know, let's learn from him. And if somebody's fishing, you got a dog in a boat. Don't let the dog swim where people are fishing. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Brett actually chimes in right here. He goes, he thinks it was just blissful ignorance on the owner's part. I agree. I think that's like, like just, they're, they're just clueless. It's like, come on, man. You know, like not thinking at all. It's like, but you know, like, like with anything, you know, you hear it a lot when people will say like, oh, hey, I'm trying to walk over this way or I'm doing such and such. Well, it's like. That body of water, that trail, there's other people looking for recreation there as well, you know? And it's like, it's one thing to be like courteous and like allow space or whatever. But like, if, if, you know, that's, that's obviously you want to try to lean that way any way that you can. But if you're doing something and it's outright, like, 
affecting somebody else's ability to recreate on that water. Or, you know, in some cases they're competing and, you know, they could be in a tournament. You know, and you're you're messing with that. Like that's a whole other element of horse shit, you know? Funny you should say that. And I didn't nominate this guy because I I think he was so clueless that it didn't matter. Yeah. I mean, fuck this guy anyways, but fuck that guy anyways. But yesterday during the tournament, as I was making my way back to um the pond from the river. Don't tell me one, it was a dude in a sailboat. No. Okay. No, All right. There was, I know one, that there was one bend where two recreational kayakers were coming back or coming going into the river. I had not seen them all day. I saw numerous kayakers and every one of them except for this. And there was one guy in an aluminum boat that kept going back and forth. And all of them were courteous and hey, I'm passing, you know, where's your line? Stuff like that. Just perfect. And then shit you would expect. You just, you just get one fuck. And this guy went by as I, well, he was on that point that I wanted to fish on that yep. bend in the river. And right as he went over that point, for absolutely no reason, possible intoxication, I would guess, or idiocy, he goes, Hey, watch this to his girlfriend and just paddles as hard as he can and goes, You got to ride the waves, follow me. And as he went by me, I was on the other side, and this is a small river. Um, he was maybe 20, 30 feet away from me. And the point when he did this was probably 50 feet away. I could have cast it to it. And I was like, fuck, that guy just killed that point. Yep. And it was a point that was productive for me in the April tournament. So there could have been fish on there. There could have been. Know. Yeah, absolutely. So as he went by, I don't know if he was trying to start a conversation. He started saying things about my kayak. Oh, native slayer. What's that? Like, I'm going to respond. And I just hope that he felt the anger and possible hatred just emanating from me. Because I just didn't even look at him. I'm just. Yeah. I'm not going to bother. You're going to fuck my spot up. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be rude. Yeah. Outwardly, you can figure it out when I'm not talking to you and completely ignoring you that something just happened. And you, maybe next time you won't do it. I don't know. I'm not going to start a fight, but I'm not going to fucking yeah. engage either. Yeah, exactly. Cause that's the yep. thing. Like, like you're, you're looking at it from that perspective. You, you have a conversation with this kind of an idiot and it's like, Okay, on the one hand, maybe for pre-fishing, that may, sounds like a good idea to take a time, the time to like educate somebody. But if you're in a tournament, no matter the scale of the tournament, you're still competing. You know, it's like last thing you want to do then is say like, no, I'm going to take instead of finding another spot and continuing on my way. Now I'm going to take time out of my day to freaking talk to this idiot. I don't want to come back to the ramp with, with, with answers like hey sean how'd you do today oh it was great i caught like four nibblers bear maced a guy it was awesome <laughs> you know what we talk about that candlewood tournament uh in this interview coming up uh, to, to, to at length actually and uh you know sean stopped competing for a very good reason <laughs> in that tournament because he had a massive carp hooked on his artificial bait, <laughs> pulling him all around this un unbelievable body of water. Maybe maybe we need to set up another go live. Next time someone's out there, you just go and just follow them and just, you know, go live and just like, so I'm going to explain to you what you did that was so fucking stupid. <laughs> Let's see and then I, vid this. then I videotape Bear Mexican, so I've got good that, evidence. There you, you go. Me. That, exactly. Yeah. You're like, well. Good stuff. There we go. Jeez. Yeah. Good. But anyways... Keep your dog in the boat if people are fishing. Yeah, go away absolutely. From the, go away from the where the people are fishing and then let your dog out of the boat. We all want to see the dog swim. I don't care about anybody else, but hey, if dog wants to swim, by God, let him swim. Yeah, let him swim. And if he Just wants, bring him. If he wants to come over, yeah. If he wants to come over and get petted by Sean the fisherman, Bobby Rose Beef, we can do that too. Yeah. 
Just don't dogs. Let him jump on, you know, and then think about it. Like, what if he was jumping around and like, you know, your crankbait or something whizzed by him? Yep. You know, it's like, that's something I don't want to necessarily deal with. No. That is some bullshit right there. That is some chickpea shit right there. <laughs> we're, we're dog people. We are dog people. We have ties to chickpea, which is, I guess, runs concurrently, but whatever. <laughs> So we do have uh, some tournament information for you guys to go over. Uh, we've got, you know, Chronic Trips. We've been talking about this week uh, is in full swing, and it's it's been it's been fun. It's been, I think, a lot of fun for a lot of people. Um, are you ready for this, Sean? I am. But first, uh, before we before we get my music, before we get the theme song, gotcha. All right, the um, I wanted to jump on something real quick. All right. Oh God, damn it! The fucking computer. There we go. All right. Uh, all right. Because we're getting new people in these tournaments all the time, and this covers both chronic trips and jigs and bigs, I think it's good. I, sh- I, I think once a month I'll probably do this just to remind everybody. We do kind of a special little thing with the NE5 category, and that was one of, yep. I believe, either Seth or Mark or Brock's concoctions with chronic trips. That's where this started. The NE5 category is a wild card category. It actually adds strategy to the tournament with the intent we use it for, Okay. The NE5 category is five fish that you have not turned in anywhere else at any point, have not been called. They are five fresh fish. Yep. <laughs> fresh fish. <laughs> to uh, That add up to one total, and then points are derived just like any other category. The most length in the NE5, in the NE5 you get that. You, know, the, you get four points. Second most gets three points. Again, the scoring is the same. Two points and one point for getting fish in that category. So it adds, if you're a pike fisherman, you're in Minnesota and you're catching pike. It allows the, all of those pike that are bigger than any other fish in the tournament that you're catching to count. You know what I mean? You can put those 20 and 30 inches in there when you've got a 35 sitting in the pike category by itself. Yep. You're getting some more points out of it. You're getting some more mileage. And we found, you know, you've, everybody's heard me say this. We found that um, if you hit 100 inches in that any five, you got a shot at winning it. You get Because you, if you're getting that many fish of that size, you're doing something right. And chances are you have you know, you're, you're doing something right in all the other categories. Mm-hmm. It just, it's, it's linked up that way. So what I have seen from some new folks is if they turn in a bass and then they call out the bass, they'll take the one they got called out and throw in the 85. Well, I, I see that and I see when they're turned in and when the pictures were taken. So I have to go back and say, no, with chronic trips, I'm really lenient about, you know, just, de- just denying it and saying, Hey guys, look, you can't do this, but I just want everyone to know that. Yeah. The strategy comes in when you have a bass. Let's just use largemouth, right? You get a largemouth bass that's 20 inches, which a 20 inches usually hold out pretty high in this in this tournament. Usually, usually you get more more than one point for them. But then you catch a 21. What are you going to do? I want this is the, the point of the strategy is we are looking for you to make the choice of do I submit this as a largemouth, which calls and kills effectively that 20 incher that I have in that category. Or do I want to ride that 20-incher and whatever extra points I have over one and put that 21 in the any 5 mm-hmm. and then risk a, a chain pick roll calling it out, a 23-inch, which is not a bad chain pick roll, but a 23-inch isn't a trophy where a 21-inch bass is. That's the decision we're looking to have people make. Not, oh, hey, look, I just called this bass out. I'm going to fire it over in the any 5 That doesn't work. And I'm, I'm, I check that, you know? So, so, um, so to put it in, in reference here, let's say, let's say for example, Bobby Roast Beef has a 20-inch bass, and yes. he sits in, let's say, fifth place. No, I don't think it's ever that, that 
that many twenties up there. Yeah, we'll we'll say four, we'll say say third place, right? Okay, so, so I mean, right I there mean, you're getting two points for I'm, that bass because you're in third two place. Two points for that bass, and the next one up is a twenty and three quarters, and then first place is is a twenty two even. Okay, so really, what what you got to look at is so let's say I catch a twenty one. All right. This is a good example because it, what would we say we caught it? I caught it. I caught a twenty. Yeah, you said you were sitting I said, at twenty. I got a caught a twenty, place. and then the next one, the next one up was a twenty and three quarter, right? Yes, that's okay. what you said. Yep, perfect, and then a twenty twos in first. Perfect, perfect. So let's say I I catch a twenty and a half. Okay, this is where this is an easy decision, and here's why: if I'm culling that twenty out of third, it's a lateral move. I stay in third place. Okay, all I'm doing is separating the gap between myself and fourth place. But by putting that, you know, that that 20 and a half in the any 5, I'm getting a point for it. Now, I might need, you know, I might get bumped out. Who knows? Out of that top 3, instead of getting 2 points, I might get 1, but it's only a 1 point loss at that point. You know, I have that other point to sort of work on, you know, and, and build and depending on how well I do in the any five, I can, I can kind of save myself, you know, depending on what it is that I'm catching. Um, Berkshire Brett jumps in here with a question about, he says, uh, Sean questioned my pike choice in the June tournament. There was a strategy and a method to my madness. I remember questioning yeah. it. I don't remember the exact scenario, Brett, you don't have to type it. I, I said, you sure you want that pike in there? I want to say, and he can correct me another time if I'm wrong, but I want to say he had a, the same scenario. He had a smaller pike. He had a pike in the pike category and then put a bigger one in the any five. Yeah. And I said, are you sure you want to do that? Because I, I felt that this was me, I, and he had already done it. I was busting his balls about it, but yeah. I felt that the pike he had in the pike category, the pike category. Was, was easily bested. Was beatable. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it was. But – you know, it was already he was done. I wasn't changing anything once yeah. he submitted it. Oh, yeah. I'm not, yeah. But um, yeah. So that's the way it works. It's not a slide over because then the strategy's gone. That's that's the fun part of this. Um, like the first one we did in April last year, yep. you know, in 2020, I was faced with a decision because I was catching giant pickerel after giant pickerel after giant pickerel, and I had called out to the point where I think I had a 20, 25 or something like that, or 24 or 25 in the pickerel category, and that was giving me four points. I I think I put a 26-inch pickerel in the NE5, and that one did stay because I caught four striped bass that were 26 and 27 inches, or one mm -hmm. was 28. So I ended up having the biggest pickerel in the tournament, but someone bested me in that category. So I actually lost a point in the pickerel category. Yep. But I rode out. I said, you know what? I'm going to take my chances because I want to make sure – that I get these bigger fish in. And that was before I caught the stripers with the last week of that tournament. I didn't know. So I, I rode the 25 inch pickerel and said, whatever points you get me, you get me mm. and put the 26, the bigger one in the any five. Yep. How did it play out? I won the any five category significantly by whoever was in second place, but I did lose a point. So I gained four or gained three points technically, because I went from one to four in the any five but I, I went from uh, whatever it was, four to three in the pickerel category. So I had a net gain of what? What is that? Lost one, gained four. Yeah. I had a net gain of three points. I, I ended up winning the tournament. I went over 100 and yeah. caught a shit ton of fish that tournament. Um, before, again, before we start on this thing, I am getting this this particular chronic chips, chronic trips and the last jigs and bigs. 
I know multi-species is not for everybody. All right. I get that. Mm-hmm. I am getting such positive feedback on these tournaments from both. I mean, honestly, from anglers of different experience levels, it's so unusual that there are people that are just bass people. There are people that are just trout people. Name a species. There are people that are just fishing for those species. Yeah. I mean, I consider myself a bass and pike guy. Those are my two favorite species to get. Well, three technically smallmouth, largemouth, mm-hmm. and pike. Those are my favorites. But bycatch happens to everybody. If you're out fly fishing for trout, yep. chances are you're going to have a smallmouth whack that thing or a carp. If you're out pike fishing, like I was in Minnesota, I had largemouth hitting a freaking one and a half inch chatterbait for God's sakes or a Picasso shock blade. It happens. My thought is when I catch these fish with multi-species tournaments, they count. They count now. And they count it's for cool. something. Exactly. Yeah. And on the other hand, on the, the, the more or the more, the less experienced angler, People are coming to these tournaments and we set up chronic trips to be step one and set up jigs and bigs to be step two. As far as the rulings go, just to, to get people flowing in that direction. If you don't want to ever make it to a, you know, a highly strict and organized, you know, KBF, MAKB, EKF style tournament. Yeah, that's fine. You've got these places to hang around in. It's cool. But um, I'm, I'm getting a lot of positive, particularly uh, Sarah Pendergrass has been loving it. She did a really good job. Um this month and uh, so far this week. And she is like having a blast with this tournament. And she was, she said she's, she's been to EKF and, and uh, maniac uh, uh, angler tournaments. And that competition level is not where she's at yet. And she wants to just go out and fish and get those fish in. And this chronic trips is, uh, is doing it for her. She loves it. So I think it's time for my music. I think it is time for music, my friend. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Here we are in August. It is week one, well, starting week two of the Chronic Trips Tournament for August. Again, freshwater and saltwater. We are uh, we're in a place, a very familiar place, Bobby. You know why we're in a familiar place? Hit me. Jerry what? Howes is in this tournament. You know oh, what Jerry, yeah, Howes, yes. Jerry Howes does in multi-species tournaments? He just catches fish. That's all he does. Speaking of Jerry Howes, it's like a rock bass at today's bass tournament. There's Jerry yeah. right there. Yeah, he is. He is. He's, he's what he does. Uh, so we have Jerry's up there. He's always up there. It's, it's a multi-species. This is his gig, right? Yep. But we're seeing a very nice early back and forth, and Jerry is actually getting the worst of right now. I'm hoping I'm hoping Jerry is listening to this, sharpening hooks, going, challenge accepted, motherfucker. <laughs> Jerry's three points down to Jared Heath. All right. Jared Heath, oh God, somebody recommended him. I think it was Tim O'Keefe recommended Jared check this this tournament out. And Jared is in New York. And guess what he's got access to? Big pickerel. Yeah. Big pickerel. Yeah, I think he's turned in three of them. Now, he has a 26-inch catch board, and all three of them have flopped over it. So I can't give him the credit for 28 or 29, whatever they are. But, but he's, he's, he's got 26. 26. Yeah. He's getting 26s. He's already broke 100 on the NE5. Uh, and uh, he's the only person to do so. He's in first place. Uh, Jerry, however, to his credit, first day out, broke 100 inches, period. So he's the first to 100 inches. Really? Again, Good job, getting, Jerry. Yep. Getting back to what we just talked about, that 100 inches is comprised of fish that count, not all the fish you've caught. Yeah. It's the fish that have not been culled. That's how you get that total. So uh, Jerry's got 100. 
the first to 100. He's at 129 currently. About to hit 200 is his new arch nemesis, Jared Heath, with 198. So I'm sure Jared will – well, hell, I did the judging this morning. He could have already passed it for all I know. Um, as far as points go, Jared's got that 21. He's in first. Jerry's got 18. He's in second. Tim O'Keefe, my main man, third place by himself. Again, doing great. He's got a big crappie on the board. He's got a 13-inch crappie. Tim's got six points. Then we get to some fun stuff here. We have Austin Carlson. We have yep. our main man, Nelson. We have Sarah, who I just mentioned. And we have Chris Hampton speak. I believe it's Chris speak. So she had it hyphenated in one thing, and I'm seeing speak everywhere else. I'll call her Chris speak for now. She's down in Texas. And guess what she keeps catching that's just making me just green with envy, Bobby? You know what she's catching. Is she catching? Oh, wait, no. Is she catching Bofin? Yes, sir. She's catching Bofin and regularly. So she's filling her any five with 20-inch plus Bofin. Great strategy. So those four folks are all tied at five. Good for them. They're breathing down Tim's neck early. We'll see. You know, again, one of the things we like about this tournament, there's only so many points available. Let's see who can chip away at Jared and Jerry. Hell yeah. And get closer, you know? We're a weekend. We got 100 crossed. We're about to cross 200. First and second place have a little bit of breathing room for now. But we're only a weekend, man. We've yeah. seen some shit in these tournaments. We're eight days in, and I mean, the competition's been crazy, and you can join anytime. If you guys are interested yep. in Chronic Trips, you should definitely, you know, sign up, download Fishing Chaos, search for Chronic Trips, and, and sign up. It's, it's, it's worth it. You're going to have a good time. Yep. And, and again, just because somebody has 20 points in a weekend doesn't mean anything. Those I'm looking right now. Nobody's caught a saltwater fish right now. Nelson's going to the beach next weekend. <laughs> well, don't don't scare him off now. Well, you know, <laughs> anybody anybody can go to the beach. It's anybody true. can go out and catch a, a, a you know a twelve inch snapper blue or a ten inch snapper bluefish. Nobody turns another bluefish in that little twelve inch is four points. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Nobody nobody catches a, a sixteen inch schoolie striper that everyone else laughs at. That's worth four points. Mm-hmm. You know. Somebody catches a, what are they, a false albacore? That's a tuna, but it's small. Yeah. There's another four point. Nobody's nobody's ever even turned in a tuna, not even a false albacore. Yeah, nobody's tuned, turned in a tuna ever. And this has been a while. Yeah, we've seen haddock. We've seen pollock, all sorts of flatfish. Nobody's ever turned in a tuna in any two years of doing this. Really? We still keep the category open. The boss man said to keep it open. Yeah, he did. Seth says jump. I say how high. That's how it works. And then I fall down screaming because I have bad knees and can't jump. But there we go. I love Week it, one of Chronic Trips is in the book. Awesome stuff. Friggin' love it, man. It's good stuff. August is here, guys. And, uh, you know, we're, we're starting to notice that uh, those temps at night are starting to get a little bit cooler slowly. You know, I mean, September is going to skyrocket here in the Northeast, or it's going to be like summer part three. But, uh, <laughs> you know, for the time being, the stuff, stuff is starting to happen. So get out there and catch them, man. Uh, we will be back with uh, a, an amazing interview. We've got uh, Judy and John Richardson. Uh, amazing couple. Sean had the... the uh, 
the 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 opportunity to get to know a little bit during the trifecta tournament, and then uh, no, I'm sorry, during the Candlewood tournament, and yep. uh, and that kind of carried over here. And you you guys are gonna love it. These guys, they're great, um, super competitive anglers, and they mean business. They definitely mean business, and certainly their their accolades that they picked up along the way uh, speak volumes to that. We'll, we'll you'll hear some about that as well. But before we get to that, we have a uh, quick message from our good friends at Three Bells Outfitters. We'll see you guys in just a bit. Jigs and Bigs is proud to announce that we're being supported by Three Bells Outfitters. Located in Smith Cove on the Niantic River, TBO is Connecticut's premier paddle sports retailer. They're a full service shop specializing in kayaks and paddle boards for everything from recreation to tournament fishing. Three Bells is an authorized dealer of Hobie, Jackson, Feel Free, Native, and Bonafide kayaks, as well as many paddleboard brands. Not sure of what kind of SUP or kayak you want? TBO offers free demos of all brands. Want to go for an extended test drive? They have a full service rental facility on site. Three Bells also offers a complete rigging service for your kayak with such brands as Yak Attack, Yak Gear, Burley Pro, Yak Power, Torquedo, and more. The sky is the limit. You can visit Three Bells Outfitters in person or online at threebellsoutfitters.com. They ship anywhere in the lower 48 states or order online and pick up at the store. Can't make it to the store to pick up your kayak or worried the freight company might might damage your purchase? Three Bells Outfitters offers a white glove delivery of kayaks within a 225-mile radius of their store at a rate less than typical freight carriers. They will deliver your kayak, set it up, and answer any questions you may have. Be sure to follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget to tell them Jigs and Bigs sent you Three Bells Outfitters because life is better on the water. Alrighty, guys, Bobby Rose Beef back here in our interview segment. This week in the Beef Seat, I have, uh, well, you know, coming off the heels out of the very first interview with a married couple, we've got another couple of anglers with us. We've got John and Judy Richardson. And uh, this is kind of interesting because it sort of ties back to that uh, KBF event that Sean the Fisherman had, uh, had, had competed in at Candlewood as sort of that's where the pins were all set to kind of get bowled over to this whole podcast sandwich. Sean, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh about about how this how the wheels kind of started moving here will do um so when uh when i got down to candlewood on on that friday and went to the captain's meeting or whatever it was a pre-tournament meeting i had just gotten off the road i was uh, at a buddy's house i changed clothes real quick went down there and i just happened to throw on a uh a very specific Minnesota shirt for advertising the Brainerd Lakes area, which is like right in the middle of Minnesota. For those uh, Northeasterners, it's like the Cape Cod of Minnesota. There's one road with golf, you know, mini golf and go-karts and tramp ampelines, uh, the usual fun stuff. And that's where we vacation. And um, of course I was there, so I had to get a shirt. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I went through the tournament and um, at the banquet on Sunday night, uh, myself and Derek and Lauren from Three Bells were sitting down and we were joined by John and Judy Richardson. And one of the first things, you know, after introductions, Judy had said, well, were you wearing a Brainerd Lakes t-shirt on on Friday with, you know, when we were here for the pre-meeting? And I said, yes, I was. She goes, well, I'm from Minnesota, so I'm familiar. And that started a conversation. And um, of course, that day, you know, uh, John had actually won the Sunday, uh, the Sunday tournament. And conversation went from there and at some point I reached out and said you know anytime you guys want to be on the show 
please, here's the link. Let's jump on. And uh, just so happens that we now have what back back to back married couples, which is mm-hmm. neat for us. It's like a new trend. <laughs> yeah. So um, welcome to the show. And 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 uh, it was great meeting John and Judy. And we got some questions for you guys. <laughs> So let's go ahead. Uh, actually, let's uh, let's go ahead, John and Judy. What we'll do is we'll kind of get the the story of how you guys each separately found fishing, and then tell us also like how is is fishing a regular you know um, mainstay? You know how does it work in your in your relationship? Like how did you guys was it fishing that kind of brought you together, or did did one of you introduce it to the other? Why don't we go ahead and and, and kind of get the origin a little bit? I'll let John start with oh, that. Oh no, one. no, you start. <laughs> this is your baby. Get going. No. Uh, well, give my version, and then John can get his version. Um, okay. Like you know, I said uh, earlier, um, I did grow up in Minnesota, so our family was fishing from the day I was born. We had a lake home up in um, Lake Minnewawa in Minnesota, and mostly fish for panfish and walleye. Uh, just to eat. No, no fun fishing. It was definitely to eat. Um, and then it was just, you know, I always loved fishing. It was my favorite thing to do. Uh, grew up, kind of fell away from it for a while. Yeah. And then uh, when John and I met, he was from the East Coast. I was from New Hampshire and he liked to fish as well. He was a little bit of bass fishing, a little bit of trout fishing. And um, as we had our kids, we started fishing with them, white perch, um, ended up with a saltwater boat, did a lot of cod haddock. And then, um, I was always a freshwater person. That was my deal. I liked the ocean, but I really love freshwater cause it was, I was, it's what I was used to. Yep. So then when John really got into saltwater fishing, I said, well, I really like to start doing some more freshwater fishing. And my son's friend started a kayak league. So I got a little 10 foot sun dolphin and joined the league and, that's that's pretty much how it started it the competitiveness really sparked with me which is something i've never been i've never been Mm -hmm. a competitive person but um i fished for a couple years um with a a league in new hampshire and then went to the national championship in kentucky lake and john came with me and decided this was something he wanted to be a part of so we've been competing against each other and together ever since that's cool that's awesome now, 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 John, does everything check out with that uh, for you? Uh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, by that, my bad. I'm sorry, John and Judy. Well, Bobby, this this is also our second and last married couple on the show. <laughs> oh no! It's- <laughs> so, I guess the only thing I can add to that was pretty much our whole life story. Um, is I have, I do things in spurts, like yep. five years since. And first it was saltwater fishing for stripers. Then it went to deep sea fishing for cod, haddock, bottom fish. Yeah. Uh, and then I got into uh, giant bluefin tuna fishing. And that went for five years. And I was more obsessed with that than I am with bass fishing. And I am so obsessed with bass fishing now. It's it's crazy. And really, I just figured the only way I was going to see Judy, because I was on that ocean she was on the lakes the only way i was going to stay with her was to go bass fishing so there you sold go the boat and uh, now we're kayak fishing that's awesome that that's yeah. sold the boat now that is that is a story of true love and devotion right there folks that's impressive 
Um, so was it was it the competitive? Um, was it the tournament angling that, that kind of got your attention, or or or, or you know was it when you kind of saw that happen? Were you had did you were you aware that that kayak fishing had was was such a a, f- a fast growing sport? <laughs> well, I told Judy, she said, why don't you kayak fish with me? And I'm like, are you sure you want me to do that? Because like I said, I'm a nut job. And uh, when I get into something, it's just all out. I just go for go for everything. And um, this this thing with both of us being competitive, you don't even know how competitive it is. It's oh, I like you today, for example, we were fishing on Lake Massabesic in Manchester yep. and it's our favorite lake, but I don't mind fishing really tough lakes because you just learn more and you just keep acquiring skills and mm-hmm. just it's more knowledge in your toolbox. And um, I asked Judy, I said, well, what did you catch later in the day? And she said, well, I got a 16 and a 17 and a couple of smaller fish. I'm like, I didn't know you got a 17. And then I said, did you measure it? She goes, no, it just looked like a 17. I said, well, it doesn't count then. And that means we're going out for seafood. (laughs) (laughs) That is freaking fantastic. Uh, Um, um, To to jump in real quick, Bobby, I I did forget to mention this at the get-go. There is another competition that I've been in since April with both Richardsons. Oh, really? Um, John and Judy, have you guys taken a peek at the standings lately for the, for the, uh, New England Big Five tourney? Yeah. Every every day I do. Every day. (laughs) Yeah. I'm proudly sitting at 11th. This is like the fourth or fifth year, whatever, I've been doing it, and I cracked 100 again. That's like a big thing in New England. If you can get five fish that are averaging 20 inches, that's big. That is I'm in 11th very happily at 100 and 100.25, so 100 and a quarter. Just for reference, Nelson, who bumped me out of the top 10, is at ninth with – 100.75 100.75 tied with Ken Wood, who's in 10th because Nelson has a bigger lunker. Let's scroll up. Oh, there's third place and first place. There's the Richardsons. Yeah, there we you go. 100, John, you got 113 fucking inches of fish, man. That's averaging 22 inches. That's disgusting. And Judy's I, right there. Judy's right there with you with 106. Like, what, what are you guys doing? <laughs> and the problem is, my smallest fish right now is 22.5. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to beat that, but I will beat that. And Judy's quest oh. this summer is a 23, and we share that same quest. We were both like a 23. Oh, sure. I've caught 23s in Oklahoma, not in New England. You know what I mean? And you're, you're uh, no. a, qu- a quarter of an inch away from th- four of them. Four of your top five fish are a quarter inch away from 23. No, awesome. no, New England has got some real big fish, and you just have to be super patient and um, fish a lot and get through their bite cycles. That's that's yeah. my only theory is I'll fish in like 10 to 12 hour blocks. And that's pretty much my secret is I am just, I am just a savage out there. I just, yeah, just go, go, go. That's a, I mean, I mean, 10, 12 hours is, is a long time to throw out there. And I th- I do, I just, I think that numbers like that, speaks so much where was it that i just read it was a big fishing content creator that just put out a map of all fifth of all lower 48 um and there was a line right across the middle of uh where you're likely to get you know fish of a specific caliber and i do i think that i i think that people don't realize that there's some big fish in the northeast 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, like with numbers like that, that speaks highly to, you know, the caliber of fish. That, and you guys are like, you're in the north, north. Like you're out that way. That, that's awesome. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about like creature comforts, though. As far as when you're out there and you're, you know, putting in, whether it's four hours or, you know, the 10, 12, what's your favorite season, each of you, for being out there? And I don't necessarily mean because the bite's on. So don't think, you know, spawn, pre spawn or anything, but creature comforts where you're the happiest out there with the climate. What do you guys like? Boy, for me, it's flip flop shorts in a, in a fishing shirt. So you're all about summertime, huh? Yeah. Nice. 80 degrees, no bugs, nice breeze. That is awesome. Yeah, that's like the unicorn. You get like, yeah, no bugs and a nice little breeze. That's perfect. Yeah, just just for example, today yeah. we went fishing from uh, like 11 o'clock till 4.30. And if we didn't have the podcast, we'd be there until dark. It's, no kidding. We don't, we don't get up early in the morning unless it's a tournament or we're pre-fishing. We we definitely fish weird hours, and I think that kind of helps us get those big fish. Yep, <laughs> that's interesting. That's really yeah. interesting. What about your 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 favorite or, or your your best uh, season to be out there, John? Uh, you can just ditto what Judy said. Yeah. I love you like it warm, love, huh? I love shirt. I like SPF fifty all over my body and just big. <laughs> love it. That's awesome. Are, are there? Uh, love it. Now, as far as different bodies of water, are what's your preference there? Are you into smaller bodies of water that maybe you can tackle in you know the entire body in like a day, or are you are you looking more for larger larger lakes where you kind of have to take them a section at a time and break them down that way, or is it all about river systems and current for you guys? Um, I like breaking down new lakes. Like I love big lakes. I uh -huh. love going to Cayuga. I love going to Candlewood. Um, we did the Hobie event on Champlain. I mean, that was just a beast to figure out. Um, for me, I like to I like to do a lot of different water and really fish different different techniques. Yep. Um, we have a lot of lakes around us. Like we probably have eight or ten lakes that are like three, four hundred in about a half hour of us, maybe. Oh wow! It's okay. I go to if you need a couple hours after work or something like that. And you just want to get out on the water, but. If, uh, you know, I like a bigger lake. I like, you know, six, eight hundred, which is pretty big here and uh -huh. up because it just gives you so much more room to play with and new fun, new stuff to find. Oh, definitely. And if you're going to go, yeah, I definitely see that you're, you're less likely to run out of real estate, you know, that's, that's untapped, at least for your experience, you know, it's, you can, it's almost like you always have something new to look forward to in a way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. What about you, John? Uh, what do I like? Uh, I like reservoirs where you've got a channel running through mm -hmm. deep water with a lot of just nasty weeds on both sides. If you've got milfoil, I'm there. I'm all in with the milfoil. Uh, I just love fishing weeds, lily pads, anything like that. So when we get on big clear lakes, I have a tough time, but, um, I kind of adapted like candlewood wasn't exactly a milfoil special, but, uh, you just, yeah, I just love fishing, man. Just love it. There's so many changing factors and you got to roll with it and just be adaptable. And it's just, it's a, it's a blast. That's awesome. What about like your, your number one, actually, you guys can give me your top threes if you want your, as far as confidence baits. Um, why, why are those your top three confidence baits? 
Um, and I, I guess like, what is it about them that makes them, you know, the, something that you lean on? <laughs> um, I'll give you my, my top three confidence. They, number one is just a plain old Senko. Yep. I can fish that all day long. Weightless Texas rig. Um, second would probably be a Ned rig. Um, drop shot, probably third or spinnerbait. One mm -hmm. of the two. Okay. What about you, John? Uh, do I really have to tell you? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm not saying you, you you could make it up or be vague if you want. I mean, you don't. You obviously don't have to if you if you've got like trade secrets no, or something. It's, uh, it's it. pretty much what Judy just said. I love yeah. Senkos, and when you people hear that you're catching all these big fish on Senkos, they just can't believe it. Yeah. But there's a lot more to a Senko than just a piece of you know just what it, looking at it. There's a lot more too how you fish it. It's like any lure. It's like, I've never caught a fish on a chatterbait. I've tried a lot and um, I just never caught a fish in a chatterbait and I'm not confident and it, it shows. Yeah. Um, I don't like jigs, but when we fished at uh, Cayuga Lake, I never fished and caught a fish on a jig, but that's what I caught all my fish on and they were real good quality fish. Really? That's I awesome. I got for uh, 80 something inches or 87 inches in that one. And, um, it's just you got to adapt and you got to be open to different things. Yep. And, um, yeah, it's basically the Senko, the bigger Senko, the TRD that's, uh, you know, a huge, yep. huge. And then I love big crawlers, big uh, imitation uh, night crawlers, real big ones. Gotcha. Like and, the big 10, 12-inch worms? Yeah, just, just big baits. And that keeps the little fish away. And then you're targeting, you know, larger, larger guys. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said about that, you know. Yeah, and slow. Yep. Our big thing, I fish super slow, and I've had people say, is that guy going to sit there all day? And it's like, yeah, I will. I'll sit there for eight hours at Cayuga Lake. Yeah, I sat on this bridge for the whole tournament in the same spot. It was hilarious. And I did it last weekend. We had a club tournament, sat in the same lily pad field all tournament because it refreshes with the canal that's close by, and um, it's yeah. just – yeah, you just got to be super patient and just be confident in the spot that you're in that it's going to replenish with fish. True. And I guess, I mean, also, you know, there, there's a lot of kayak anglers that are stealth is a major thing. And if you post yep. up and you're not moving, you don't get a whole lot more yep. stealthier than that. You actually become cover at that point. Yeah. And know? I, uh, most guys stand up in their kayaks and I basically sit almost the whole time. Yep. And uh, it's a pedal kayak and, it's green and the fish look up in your lily pad field of six feet water. It's you can't get any more stealthy than that. It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty that is pretty cool. Yeah. Um there I just thought of this actually, guys. There is one more like degree of separation between you and the show. Uh Judy, I believe you're friends with uh, a good friend of the show, uh, with her mother, uh Elise Noel. Oh, oh my god her mother's my best friend <laughs> yeah that's uh, we're well it came up you guys came up in conversation elise and i were, were fishing at wachusett reservoir and uh it, you came up in conversation uh, and i had mentioned i was like i wonder if that's the same john and judy richardson 
that <laughs> that Sean had just told me about from Candlewood. And she's like, I don't know. I was like, I don't know. I, I think I think John won one of those events. She's like, oh, we definitely would have heard about that if that was the case. And I'm like, maybe it was just that close. <laughs> I was like, maybe you guys aren't as good friends as you thought. <laughs> no, actually, Deb, her, Elisa's mother, Deb, and yep. I together. And when my son son's friend started the kayak league, we both decided to start it. To join it. Oh, so okay. First day, and all these guys looked at us like, who are you? <laughs> so we made cookies and brownies when we came, and we ended up being like the, the team mom for the, for the, for the uh, league, and it was a blast. That's awesome. Yeah, that's uh, good stuff. But when we first got there the first day, they kind of looked at us like, okay, what are these old ladies doing here? <laughs> and and it, then you showed them what was up. I actually came in first that year. That's awesome. In my sun dolphin. Yeah, it was pretty funny. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Let's get back on. Uh, this next question is also about tackle, but more about the industry. Um, there's the old saying I'm sure you guys are familiar with about fishing tackle, that it catches more fishermen than it'll actually catch fish. In your opinion, in your, your entire life fishing, what do you think is the most ridiculous like fishing tackle trend that the industry's given us. And the follow-up question is, have you used it and how did it work? That is easy. It's all these gigantic swim baits. Oh, okay. I just, it's ludicrous. It's like, no, I have not used one. No, I don't own one. And no, I will not spend $150 on one. And I'm not bashing the guys that make them. It's yeah. like artwork what some of these guys do with an airbrush and carvings, but it's like, that is such a low percentage item to catch fish with. And if, if it's a tournament situation, you shouldn't have a rat in your, in your fishing pole lineup. You shouldn't have a giant swim bait in your fishing pole lineup. You should be doing high percentage lures only and forget the other stuff but like i said it's no bash on the guys that make those they make some art just total art and i love looking yeah. at the stuff they make oh yeah and like that that 150 dollars price point is in in some cases i mean i've seen some there was one that's got like horse leather or something like and it's <laughs> yeah. it's like a 500 dollars bait and i'm like i'm sorry like i'm not throwing that i mean and that was, that was an imagine? actual horse with a hook because that's how big it was. Imagine losing one of those and to a little scrawny pickerel. I would just be out of my mind. That's what I'm saying. Like you get like, or, or, you know, I mean, I assume you retie every cast with one of those. I assume, you know, but it was, I forget who makes it, but if you look at it, it looks like the fish version of the gimp from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> that's what it looks like. Brother. Yeah, was that was that too opinionated? <laughs> oh no 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 no, it's okay. Uh, now, what about you, Judy? What what were your thoughts on that? What do you think's the the most ridiculous? Oh, my first thing goes back to the banjo minnow. Oh yeah, way back. My dad bought my kids those for Christmas one year, and I don't think anybody ever caught anything on that. But, um, you know, the umbrella rig is just crazy to me. It's uh -huh. not something I see myself throwing. I know it's effective, but. That to me is a crazy, crazy lure that I never ever expected to see. Oh yeah. I remember when I was growing up in Minnesota and we used to fish with like real night crawlers and real minnows and stuff and seeing plastic worms back then, like who would ever in their right mind throw a plastic worm? And now I throw them all the time. And Without I thought even that thinking was about it. Yeah. Thing. 
ended for a long time. <laughs> now I've kind of changed my tune, but sure. I don't, I, I think different baits are different confidence baits. Like some people throw a whopper plopper and they love whopper ploppers. Yep. I get to catch a fish on a whopper plopper. It, it just hooks my hands. That's all it does. But it's, um, it's a very effective bait for a lot of people. Oh yeah. So there's there were- nothing I really think is ridiculous um, or kind of, you know, crazy. I think there's something out there for everybody. And I think it's hard not to go out and buy, like when you're in a tournament and somebody says, Oh, I, you know, I want to, I won the tournament on this lure or that lure. I mean, you're, you kind of want to just run out and buy one just to see why they, you know, if it really worked, but yeah. I have to kind of stop myself from doing that, but there's some pretty crazy baits out there, but I don't know. I guess it's just to each his own. You know, I recently watched a video. I think it was with uh, Randy Blockett, and he was talking about uh, I forget what te- technique it was. Oh no, it's it's that's what it was. It's the whopper plopper, and he says the thing is with the whopper plopper is it's losing its effectiveness um, with what's in the water because you know the the bass will get conditioned to seeing a certain type of presentation. So, you know, when the Whopper Plopper came out X number of years ago, and it was a new thing, you know, to see that shape of bait in that initial size with the action that that prop has was something that was different and unique. And I have to wonder how much of the trend is that initial, you know, if there's something that that bait is doing that's unique from the get, like I'll use the example of the spider, you know? If maybe it's such a delicate, like with the the legs, the way that it goes on the on the surface of the water, you know, if that is what sets them off, or or, or now there's been a lot of talk about um, it's a new soft plastic, a scorpion, you know, where you know, <laughs> obviously, like there's not in New England, there's no scorpion pattern, like that's not a, a, something that exists in our area. But you know, I, I have to wonder if it's. If it's maybe just, you know, let's say, let's assume that it's the appendages that are on the body. If maybe that's just the right action and that's sort of like uh, something that the, as Sean would say, a new type of particular brand of bullshit that they haven't necessarily seen before. And if it will be effective until the point where it sort of burns itself out. Does that make sense? Or am I just spitballing here? Okay. No, absolutely makes sense. I don't know. I'm like, the more you think about it, I'm like, yeah, I guess it's kind of true. You get new stuff. And, and then I've, there's also at the same time, there's like older techniques that have kind of been pushed off to the back that are sort of starting to make a little bit of resurgence too, like tubes, tubes had completely fallen off for, you know, as far as being like something that was ever highlighted. And now I'm seeing more and more people talking about using a tube and, You know, now you'll get folks that will say, oh, yeah, I threw a tube and I caught this. And they're like, oh, you're throwing a tube? That's great. You know, I I meet lots of people who have no idea how to rig a tube, you know? And to be perfectly transparent, I only properly learned to rig a tube about two years ago. (laughs) You know, I was one of those. So it's, I don't know, it's just kind of crazy the way there's ebbs and flows with what's popular with tackle. Um, Moving along, though. I, one of the things that I, I love about fishing is that if, if you're in the right company 
and you're you're with folks. I mean, regardless what style of fishing you like, if you're in the right company of people, you can have a terrible day of fishing. Or you know, but if you're in the right company, it's awesome. It's point in ca- case in point was was yesterday. Um, that tournament was rough for everybody involved, but you know, we had a great time afterwards, and and it was just something that I think everybody is going to remember whether they placed or not. But I think that um, you know the company that you're with is a big deal. Uh, what are top your top three people that you would love to fish with? And they can be alive or dead, but because you guys are a married couple, and I didn't do this with the Pendergast last time, you can't choose each other. We'll just assume that that's... We'll just assume that, that you guys are on each other's list, obviously. But just completely selfishly, what, who would you like to be fishing with? Like three people, alive or dead? Boy. <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> Um, for, I'd probably say my son, Ryan, cause he's really good. Mm-hmm. He used to do a lot of big bass tournaments and he, uh, now he's got a wife and a little son and he's kind of, you know, backed out a little bit. He does the kayak fishing with us, but he is just a blast to go fishing with. He's, yep. he's just a wealth of knowledge, but he's also just a lot of fun to be around. Sure. That's um, awesome. Seth fighter. I'd like to go with him or fader or whatever his name is. Yep. He's just, yeah. Not just cause he's from Minnesota, but. You watch him drop shot. It's just awesome. Yeah. That's what me wanting to drop shot and buying an actual drop shot rod was watching him. Um, I don't know who my third would be. Fishing? Can't be me. (laughs) No. It could be. It could be anybody. It's funny. Sometimes I have people that'll suggest like a celebrity or something because of the entertainment value or something like that. One person I really, really like fishing with, and we do a lot of big tournaments, and that's usually where we see each other, is Trisha Angelini. She's oh, okay. a very competitive bass fisherman or kayak fisherman from uh, New York. Oh, all right. And yeah, she's really good, and, and we've kind of developed a nice friendship, and we'll go out for dinner and stuff and we're, you know, when we are at a tournament. But, you know, like at Candlewood, we both ended up in the same spot at the end of the day, and she was on one side of a rock pile and I was on the other and she'd catch a fish and I'd catch a fish. And, you know, it was just, it was just really cool. She just has a really good personality and she's really good fisherman. I mean, you really learn a lot from her and she's just so, so just uh, professional the way she carries herself Mm -hmm. and stuff. She's, it's very fun to spend some time with her on the water. It'd be fun to just fun fish with her. Yeah, definitely. What what about you, John? Oh, go ahead, Bob. Bobby, real quick, let me interject. Also, I believe Trisha sat with us at the table at the banquet on Sunday night, Judy. And uh, just for, just for S and G's. Also tied with Nelson and Ken in that big five is Trisha Angelini. (laughs) So she's Uh, got 100.75. A lot of people we talk to are really whooping my ass at tournaments, Bobby. Have we we've gotten that through to the audience? It might yet? be something. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. Oh, boy! To put the time on the water, I'm telling you. I oh. I try. Yeah, not easy. Nope. So, what about you, John? What are what are three people you'd like to fish with? I'm gonna take the cheater route on this one. Okay. Uh, anybody who's better than I am. I wouldn't mind going fishing with. I don't care who they are. It's just I'm a sponge for intel. Uh, what kind of lure are you using? How do you use that lure in different situations? Yeah. How do you uh, how do you break down a lake? Um, there's just I will I will listen to anybody and just try to learn from people that are better than me. That's and it awesome. doesn't matter who they are. I just. I just love hearing new ways and just um, Ned rig. I'd never heard of a Ned rig. Then Judy started using it. And I'm like, 
this has got to be the dumbest thing next to a Senko. And we both did really uh, really well at Make uh, Lake Mezolonsky. And then uh, Candlewood Lake, we did really well with Ned Riggs. And mm-hmm. if you're not open to just seeing what's out there and how it's used and practice with it, um, you're never going to get, you know, up in the higher levels of, yeah. of tournament fishing. You have to say Mary for fishing. I have to say Mary. Oh, my daughter Mary is... is my wife just told me what to say, so... But, <laughs> Smart man. But my daughter Mary and I, we uh, we went tuna fishing. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a freak for like five years and I move on to something else. Yeah. Well, we fished the first year... She had to go to Colorado. We hadn't caught a fish all summer. The last the last weekend before she had to go to Colorado to college, we hooked into a bluefin and it, it towed us around for three hours. We got like 7,500 bucks for that one fish. And it was probably nice. the happiest day of my life. The money part really didn't mean anything. It was the, the, the time on the water with my daughter who we had spent so much time together yeah. and just the, the bonding time and, uh, just so cool. You meet a lot of people just like you do in kayak fishing with the, with the big boats out there, like a little family out there. Definitely. No, that's awesome. Um, yeah. What are you guys listening to when you're on your way to fish? Like what gets you hyped up to get out there on the water? What do we listen to? <laughs> we don't. Each other. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> no, we that. don't, don't. Music. It's, it's wild. We don't listen to music. And then, we both go to the tournaments together, but we never, ever, ever, ever fish together. It's hilarious. Yeah. And then on the way home, it's we break it down just like we did today. Sure. It wasn't a very good day, but we broke down every minute of the day with each other and shared. And um, that's just the way we do it. And music is – I like it to be, but it isn't really a part of what we do. It's, gotcha. No, it's, that. that's understandable, you know. It's definitely understandable. Yeah. Uh, what's your what's your goal when it comes to fishing? Like, where would you like to see yourselves in the next five to ten years? To win everything in sight. <laughs> uh, He's serious. He's really serious. No, he said five to ten years, not this year. Thanks. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's funny because we went to the Candlewood Lake and we uh, – we went to the captain's meeting and on the way down, it was like, I don't know, three and a half, four hour ride to get there. Judy and I were saying, okay, realistically, where do we want to be at the end of this tournament? What would be a successful tournament? I said, I wanted to be top 10. Judy said she wanted to be top 20, but she would really like to be in the top 10, but that would just be way out there. And then we got there and the captain's meeting, we saw all these big guns there. And I'm like, uh, at this time, I'd like to um, like to change my my yep. thought process. Uh, I think middle of the pack would be good for me because there were so many good good fishermen there. It was ridiculous, and uh, I forgot what the question was now. But it was You're a politician. <laughs> it was so, it was just so much fun to see all those guys there. Oh yeah, and then stack yourself. You want to know how do you stack up against these guys? Because there were so many great anglers there. And that's that's the thing. Some of those, especially the larger events that draw a lot of these, you know, bigger names or, or what's the hammers on sticks. I think that's what 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 Sean came up as a term. Just like these <laughs> names that that are just that just have just killer records. And yeah. you're it, it, for one, sure, it can certainly be intimidating. But also, you know, if if you're able to hang on that day, like what a vote it is for your confidence, you know. 
Big time, big yeah. time. It, it, it really is. It's it, it uh, truly is. That's that's awesome. Now, what about what about you, Judy? Like, where where would you like to see yourself in five to ten? Retired. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the dream. <laughs> um, I I kind of I mean I like to get better. I I would love to win a big event. I mean that's kind of my goal down the road. But um, I don't know. I I love the fishing, but I also love trying to get other people to do it and just kind of encourage other. And I, I love to see more women getting in involved in this part. And I'm not a, you know, girls can do it as good as guys. I, I, to me, fish don't care if you're a girl or a guy, they just, you know, everybody's got the same skill set and going in as far as, you know, you don't need to be strong or tall or short or anything. But um, I think just, you know, being a good role model and showing other people that, yeah, you can go out and do this because I think a lot of people, they get very nervous going into tournament fishing and, yeah. you know, not good enough or whatever else. And I mean, if I can do it, anybody can do it. You know, it's, um, it, it's can be very intimidating for a lot of people, but I would just like to keep doing it and do more on a, of the big, big tournaments. I really enjoy those. Yeah. I this year we're doing a main trail. We're doing a New Hampshire trail. We're doing the elite group. We've done some Hobie. We've done KBS. You end up spreading yourself so thin. It'd be kind of cool to narrow it down to a, a little bit more consistency. So you can do more of the angler of the year points and stuff like that. Yeah. I hear you. No, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, aside from like actually going out and fishing or, or buying any gear or anything like that, how is it that, that fishing has made itself a regular part of your lifestyle? <laughs> it is life. Yeah. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the worst thing that ever could have happened to us with fishing is COVID last year because we wouldn't, couldn't, we just fished. We probably fished six or seven days a week from probably March to November. Yep. I mean, nobody asks because every time they call us, oh, you're on the kayaks again. What lake are you on now? Yep. Um, but it's, you know, right now we have grandchildren trying to find the balance between, you know, fishing enough because you really have to keep your skills up. If you haven't gone out for a few days or, you know, you have a big tournament, I can really feel it, you know, you get a little rusty if you haven't been out there enough. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, just trying to balance with the family and work and everything else. And, but, but fishing is just, it's kind of what everything else revolves around right now. It's so much, it's just, I don't know. It's the competitiveness, just being out on the water. It just does something to your brain that just brings you down. Yep. Now, do you guys, do you guys ice fish at all? Do we what? Do you ice fish at all? Or is it just open water? No, we ice fish, but that's more, pretty much more social. Yeah. We go right. to, we went up to the Lake Trout up in northern New Hampshire this year. I just, uh, in Minnesota, I, our family had a fish house um, with a wood stove and a stereo and a TV. And we'd go out every night after work. My mom would make supper out there. We'd play cards. So it was a huge part of my growing up. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Minnesota ice house. That definitely does. Yeah. It's it's so funny. There's such a split in, I find in the fishing community of of folks who uh, who who ice fish, 
you know, uh, and and they take it super seriously. Like they, it is, that's what they look forward to, even you know more than anything open water at all. And then there's there's, and that's a small group. But then there's another small group of, of people who absolutely just won't do it. You know, <laughs> like they just absolutely won't ice fish. It, it's it's uh, it's interesting. I and it's now is about the time of year where I start asking that question about if if folks get on the ice if it's in their area. Um, this is a question I haven't used in a long time, and I'm interested to see what you guys have to weigh in on it. So the the scenario is this, is that Sean and I are barreling toward your house in the official Jigs and Bag- Bigs white van, blaring Metallica, and uh, we, we have, we, we're taking you out for a shopping spree and a fishing challenge. We're going to give you the Jigs and Bigs corporate account, and you can build like a single rod and reel combo. And what are you putting on there for line? That's the only thing you've got to fish with the body water. What, Sean, what were you saying for, for the conditions and everything? Or is it we just don't, a, we don't know. The conditions know? are completely unknown. We are taking you to the forbidden zone where we do not get weather reports. You don't know structure. You don't know weeds. You don't yep. know anything. You're going to an unknown lake. How are you gearing yourself up for it with one rod, one reel? Bobby, are we going to give them leaders or no? Let's give them leaders. All right. You get yeah. leaders if you want to use leaders, but what what line? And if you want to use a leader, you're okay with that. So if you're talking leaders, you're talking like going for pike or muskie or something like that with a metal leader? Or what are you no, talking? We're talking no, braid uh, like floral. Flor- floral on braid, you know what I mean? Or, or mono on braid just for visibility. You know, a lot of people will do that where they'll they'll throw – whatever, eight or 10 pound test on a spinning rod and then put a, you know, tie a leader to it. Just straight. No, uh, no swivels or anything. But if you want to, if you want to use 50 pound steel leaders, we may take you to a crystal clear lake in California just to show you the error of your ways. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'll go on first on that one. I pretty much use almost the same thing for everything. I would take a cash and rod. Uh Uh-huh. Probably... Maybe medium, medium fast. Okay. A Fluger spinning reel with 10 pound mono, Berkeley. Okay. That's, that's, just, that's super versatile. You don't need a leader for that. That's, that. that's awesome. And I just bought my father a cash and rod. He loves it. Yeah. He absolutely loves it. It's a medium fast too. What about you, John? Wow. Um, you had me at Metallica. My neighbor at the bottom of our driveway, the first time I met her, she had a Metallica T-shirt on. And ever since then, whenever we're talking about my neighbors, it's always, Metallica, what's she doing? <laughs> <laughs> All right, stay on task. Uh, medium fast, 10-pound mono. I don't give a shit what you put on there for a reel. Um, I'll catch fish. Yeah. Nice. Just go. Love it. Best pro run. I love it. So next, <laughs> doesn't matter. So John and Judy, are you, or particularly John, sounds like, are you going to run to the window every time you hear Metallica now, like looking for a white van, hoping that we pick you up with a credit card or what? Uh, yes. <laughs> but how we'll, we'll go find a uh, Metallica wannabe band to go rock out. There we go. <laughs> yeah, they're called Metallica. It's uh, <laughs> it'll be like my kids wait for ice cream. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Uh, all right, guys. So the cornerstone of this entire interview segment sits on these next two questions. And any angler, even if even if you've only gone out once in your life, can probably fill in the blanks here. The two stories that we really want are the 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 most success, like the most proud you've ever been on the water. Like maybe it was maybe it was a catch, maybe it was a PB or something, maybe it was a tournament situation where like something happened and and it needed to happen. You were able to like call out something or or something uh, that something huge that impacted you on the water in a positive way. And then on the flip side, we want to know that biggest. <laughs> That type of moment, that kind of like, because everybody, you know, you could go out fishing one time and have several of those. Can I go first? Sure. Yeah. I got this. Uh, we just had a club tournament. I caught a 20.21.5. It started at 6.30. I had that at 6.45. I, after that, I caught a 19-something. The whole rest of the day, this is where the wah, wah, wah comes in. It was a three-fish limit. I could not catch a fish the whole rest of the day. I had that tournament with a 12-inch fish. So that's definitely my uh, wah, wah, wah. I yeah. did get lunker, though, that day. Oh, that's good. That, that's a silver lining. And then uh, my my the happiest I've been and really felt like I'm getting somewhere in this because like I said, I always like to size myself up to the competition and you wonder where you are. Are you in the yep. middle of the pack on top? You in the tail end. Uh, we did uh, Charles river together. Uh, Judy and I did. And um, it was 90 plus degrees that day. I didn't bring enough water. I had four really good fish and I needed an extra fish couldn't couldn't get a bite to save my life and all i needed was a decent fish and i could win i pulled my kayak through stretches of the charles river that were dry i went through oh. four towns and i got my fourth fish a uh, fifth fish with um it was only like 30 minutes left and it was in the turnoff time where nobody knows what you caught oh, okay i ended up winning that tournament and uh that was definitely the proudest I've ever been. And I bring home that little medallion from KBF and I'm looking at it and I'm like, did this just really happen? I'm just like, am I as good as those guys? And you know, it's pretty cool. That's freaking huge, man. That is awesome. When it comes down to the wire like that and you're just like, I just need this one fish. You're so hyper-focused on trying yeah, oh, to get that one last I, fish. Awesome. Right word right there. Hyper-focused. Yeah. That is awesome. What about you, Judy? What are, what are, what are your two, two, two stories? Oh boy. Um, my highest, probably my like biggest accomplishment was probably coming in sixth at Candlewood and cashing a check. That was really good. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. I did not expect that. It was like, I just kept catching. I lost a lot of big fish. I caught a lot of big fish and then I got an 18 five, like just before the end of the tournament. And I was like, wow, I, I, I might actually be able to place of this one. Cause I went into that tournament with no expectations, yeah. none like pre-fishing. <laughs> I fell out of my kayak. I, yeah. And that was a whole other story, but um, yeah, I just had a lot of things. I rolled my ankle. It was just a lot of adversity at the beginning of it. So being yep. able to cash a check and hold up one of those big KBF checks was really cool. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Winning the big five last year didn't hurt either. That was pretty good. <laughs> That's huge. Yep. 
Now, what about that, that, that trombone story? Boy, that one, I think, is I tried doing one of the KBBT things, the kayak bass bracket tour. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was up against somebody and I pre-fished on Patuckaway Lake in uh, New Hampshire, which is a good size lake. And I pre-fished the week before and I caught bass after bass after bass. I had my pattern. I had my spots. I had everything. I was going to feeling so good about going into it. And I got there and there was nothing like the whole place had dried up. I don't even know if I got a fish in that tournament. It and just, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like they just turned off. <laughs> totally turned off. They moved. It was in the spring and it was just the spring pattern. When I was there the week before, it's like anywhere along the shore, yeah. there was a branch touching the water. There was a fish right there. Like they were right up on shore shallow. And the day I a week later, they were not to be found. I covered miles on that lake and I couldn't find a fish. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. That, that was, that one hurt. Cause That's I was tough. really feeling confident going into that one. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, I can definitely, definitely understand that. That is, and from what I understand, that's actually kind of what happened a lot with with folks on Candlewood. Well, a lot of people had pre-fished and, and they were up on beds. And then come tournament day, they had really come come off. No, yeah. the bass boat scooped them up. Oh, that's right, because there were multiple tournaments. Yeah, yeah. Bass yeah, that's boats. very true. <laughs> that's I very think about that. that. Is very true. Wow, that is freaking bananas, guys. Well, uh, John and Judy Richardson, thank you so much, guys, for coming on the show. We appreciate you. Um, do us a favor, if you could. Uh, oh, actually, we're going to flip this around really quick, so you don't even have to worry about setting us an image. We've got the artwork and all set for this. But uh, this is going to drop on Tuesday. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'll send you guys uh, some some of the artwork, and, and you guys can, you know, share links if you want. But do me a favor and uh, let the folks know where they can find you on social media or if they want to, you know, if, if you have any content that you've been posting or anything and, and people want to learn more about you how they can get in touch with you okay how can they get in touch with us yeah oh um good question i'm mrs fun fishing on instagram um and what am i on judy richardson i think on aol I can send it to you. I, we are so non-techy. It's not. Fun. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's the hardest part for me for social, for, um, for fishing. Like I'm pro staff for old town and for Dakota lithium and uh-huh. she angler and trying to post and tag and everything else. That is a challenge for me. Gotcha. Yeah. I it's... Can, I... Go ahead. Oh, go, go, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. There's, there's definitely a scale there and like folks, they sit on different levels of that all the time. Mm-hmm. I went on, I went fishing yesterday. I got two twenties. I had my GoPro. I thought I had them on my GoPro. They were just epic battles. I get home. My SD card was full. I'm like, oh, you gotta no. be kidding me. <laughs> oh. It's like, sucks. I quit. And, and like that, that's exact, that's what you feel like at that point when you're like, you know, you, you, you think you've got something captured. I've been there so many times. That's part of the challenge with like recording, like while you're fishing, I, I, I'll go out and I'm like, yeah, I, th- I think I have this set up, right? Yeah, I think we're good. And I'm, I'm trying to master getting my GoPro to work in loop mode and it's a mess. Oh boy. <laughs> it's a mess. <laughs> and it's got like I'm I'm now that old guy at the at the bank like talking to the camera with the voice activated commands. <laughs> yeah. 
like 10 minutes i'm telling it to like start recording or whatever and i'm using the wrong command and there was oh, a, yeah. there was a young kid that's over there and he's like hey, hey mister you got to say this and i goes like oh all right hey thanks buddy <laughs> <laughs> That's when you really feel your age. Yeah, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Here, have a sticker, kid. Uh. <laughs> Boy. John Slayer Richardson on Instagram. Awesome. Huh? And I think it's just John. I can figure it out and I can text it to you guys. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate you. This is really, really fantastic. Sean, do you have anything you want to jump in before we wrap things up? I do. While we were uh, while we were going through the the highs and lows of John and Judy's careers, I uh, I did see that I will at least be facing off against Judy this weekend at uh, the EKF Winnipesaukee event. John, will you be fish- will you be fishing that as well, or is the uh, Judy solo event? Hell yeah, but I do not like Winnipesaukee. It doesn't have the weeds that I live in, so it's going to be Nedrig City for me. And I got I just got to graph and find spots that have grass out in the boat traffic somewhere. So I don't don't expect much from me on this one. Well, this is my first trip up there. I'm not expecting much either. I know I'm I'm going up there. You know, obviously, um, my director for MAKB is Ken Wood and he's got a big hand in, in EKF and obviously Jason Gardner too. Um, yep. So I'm going up there to support them and give you guys my money. Like I have the past two year in the big two years in the big five. So <laughs> it's all good, <laughs> but I'll, I hope to see you guys on the water and that'll be awesome to fish with you again. And uh, thanks yep. for being on with us today. Well, thank you. And you guys had great questions. You made it very easy because I wasn't looking forward to this. So <laughs> you did. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's what we try to do is just keep it conversational. And we're, we're, yep. we're more interested in the stories and the ups and downs on things. It's like, it's, this is definitely not a serious podcast. It's, yeah. you know, oh, right. good. Good. it was fun. Definitely. Cool. All right. Thanks you guys. We'll, uh, we'll be in touch and this will be up and we'll send you guys some links that you can share on, uh, okay. on Tuesday. All right, take, thank you. All right. Take care now. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. going to do it for us this week here on Jigs and Bigs. I hope you guys like that interview with John and Judy. That was really fantastic. Nice to be able to talk to them. And uh, we, it was, we had a good time with that one. It was a whole lot of fun. We did a lot this show. You know, I mean, we talked a lot about, uh, well, we got real deep into planning, uh, you know, and, and carried on to that, like that next chapter of planning, getting into tackle, things like that, things to kind of look forward to. I hope you guys got, and actually feel free to follow up too on any of these things. If there's something that we, uh, that you'd like us to take a deeper dive in and have a conversation about, we're all about that. So feel free to get in touch with us either via Instagram or uh, Facebook, or even just email us at jigsandbigs413 at gmail.com. Um, we've got, you know, a whole lot of stuff. We've got a, a nice update on the first week of the Chronic Trips tournament. Uh, plus we've got, uh, you know, all kinds of good shit coming down the road. And we got a nice review of the insanity that happened at Old Glory Outdoors this past weekend. It was a good time. We're all, we're all seeking therapy and professional help for yep. from this past weekend. I don't I still don't know what happened. Everybody lived though. That ate the bull testicles. Everybody made it. You know, yeah, I feel good yeah. about that. I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel right. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know how right. I feel. Yeah. Look at you know, we talked about my 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 culinary choices in the past. I'm still a seafood guy first, and then chicken. Sure. So, I mean, I guess scallops are scallops are going to be my way. If I'm starving, I won't turn down a testicle. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, 
<laughs> Deep fried that some bitch. And uh, actually, uh, accolades to you as a cook. No one has said thank you. I don't know, or maybe people oh, have it. I'm not yeah. aware, but made it. Thank happen. you. That hot mayonnaise you made. God, what the fuck? The that hot and spicy mayonnaise you made for us. Sriracha balls and yeah, yeah, it, it was, was great. It was really good. It was great. Yeah. Oh God, that was so good. So yep. good. I do have a theory, you know, and that what what actually the recipe, the breading was simple. So simple. That was like the only real recipe. I was just every every single every resource I looked at was basically the same thing. Like this is how you prepare your testicles, this is how you get them ready. And it was like you generally want to fry them or there's some recipes where they do a fry, like a shallow fry in butter. Hmm. I, I might be all right with that too. Butter up your balls. There was Pop. so much innuendo. It hasn't even oh, yeah. stopped. It hasn't it hasn't stopped at all. It was a, oh, just. It was so much fun. Um, didn't expect to see Andy show up. That was really nice. I did tell him about it and said, "Hey, man, if you're you know you're not yeah. doing anything, stop by." And he did, which was awesome. So yeah. we had a great conversation. We were hanging out beforehand. I threw on a bag of fries to test yep. out the fryer. I'm like, last thing I want to do is try to light this thing and it doesn't work. So I'm like, I'm making some fries. So I put it put out put something together and it was uh, it was pretty good, man. Lots of fun. Uh, yesterday was incredible, awesome, and yeah. insane, all rolled into one. Yeah, so much fun. They said, I mean, I'm telling you, fishing community, like, just unbelievable. So we got good stuff on the horizon. Uh, lots more fun to be had for Jigs and Bigs. I mean, you know, summer is, you know, we're starting to you know, wind into it, like, the last month of it. And, you know, there's still much more to be had, and we're looking forward to a huge fall, y'all. So uh, we will see you guys in seven days. Go out there, catch some fish, catch some biggins, tag us in your photos, send us your pics, DM us with some of your great catches. We'd love to do some some features. I don't think I've done one for July yet. I should uh, soon. So, yeah, get into our inbox there and uh, and send us some uh, some catches, and we'll, we'll be glad to share them, get that stuff out there. Again, if you uh, love this podcast, consider becoming a jig head over at jigsandbigs.com just click the vi- visit our patreon uh you can go over there join in and uh i think we're gonna post that entire raw unedited uh pre-production recording for you guys to enjoy on uh, on patreon i think uh, i think you guys have earned it you know i mean so much exclusive stuff we want to put out there so you know go ahead and check it out just again i might i might voice a little disclaimer beforehand just so people are aware but you know it is what it is but good stuff Guys, get out there, catch some fish. We will see you in seven days for more Jigs and Bigs goodness. Take good care of yourselves. Be safe and uh, tight line.